0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt
2: Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side, along with my cohort, Terry and Jeffrey. The gang's gathered uh, just wearing his BYU broadcast, or his BYU uh funny cougar shirt.
3: Yeah, and it's not because they won the game last no, night. No it is. You that's all you're talking about. I mentioned it. You in, love in passing. You
2: love them Cougars. If if they win. Yeah. By the way, what would win in a real fight, a cougar or, or a wolverine? Ooh, that's a great question. Maybe it depends wolverine, if it's a Michigan wolverine or a UVU. Wolverine. That's true. Wolverine is smaller. Yeah, but boy but those vicious. things they're vicious. Ooh so vicious. Uh, Speaking of vicious, (laughs) nice segue. Speaking of vicious, uh, boy, oh boy, another um, allegation against Al Franken. Uh, Matt Lauer's getting more play. All the night shows, the the late night shows are making jokes, making fun. It's, uh, It's a crazy world we're living in right now. These iconic figures are, they're in trouble. And Uh, with sexual misconduct and allegations of sexual misconduct. I really um, hope over uh, the weeks and weeks and weeks that we're going to be covering all of this, that we can open up a discussion. Isn't it kind of telling, too, how fast people in your own medium will turn on you? Yeah. Like, first you're the king of NBC, and the next thing you know, NBC comedians are making fun of you as the fallen king. That, I guess, in the end, is why it's probably risky to you know to make your whole life about fame and fortune and at some point you you still just got to be a good guy and i guess be able to take a
4: joke cuz you're going to be laughed at or er. Just you, keep your clothes on around other people. Well, I mean that. There's that. There's that.
3: Just keep your hands tied behind your that, back, and there's then that. you'll be fine. Unless there's the hands, there's the clothes. But don't fall on somebody, because then you'll get uh, you'll get accused of unwanted falling on.
4: Don't yeah. don't have a button installed in your office that locks the door from your seat.
3: Yeah, there's that.
4: Can yeah. I keep the trap
3: door button though? I maybe.
4: <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of
2: odd. Elements to this. Well, and where were all these stories five years ago? Because what we keep hearing over and over is people knew, people heard stuff. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in Matt Lauer's case as much, but others heard – I mean, Roger Ailes. Yeah. Not a new story. No. Weinstein, not a new story. And so – we then cover. It. I mean, I get why if you're a victim of it, you don't bring it out. I get that, but, but then they, everyone, they still go talk
4: to everyone else about it. Everyone else, just after a while, it becomes normalized. Mm-hmm. It's not happening to me, so I guess it's not that big a deal. And yeah, I guess yeah. you know, and it's maybe part of the part, business. Yeah, that's it. And
2: and it's these are the money makers, right? These are the people that make the decisions and are in the positions. I mean,
4: Harvey Weinstein had in his contract a uh, a clause that said if he was caught and sued that the company that he worked for, Miramax, wouldn't yeah. take on the, that fine. He would pay it. So that was in his contract. Hmm. Yeah, so, so they obviously so had negotiated his problem. They had out, problem. out clause for any of his problems. They wouldn't be affected wow. by so it. So said, when this happens... Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, they're like, okay, this is what he does. All this right. is who it's, he is. It's that
3: position of power, though, especially somebody like Harvey Weinstein, who he could make or break your career. Oh.
2: Yeah. And... Your life in some of these cases, oh yeah, I mean, imagine some of these women that were just wanting to get ahead in life, and you're then you're just totally controlled by a guy like that, so we're gonna hear i i you know I'm sure one a day for ever, and um,
3: it's also my favorite kind of vitamin by too, the way, yeah, one I
2: see you take it every day, that's uh you actually take two a day, which I think is overdosing, it's excessive, yeah, okay, somebody really wants to. Feel good about himself. Today, by the way, uh, we're going to be talking about how social media uh, fires um, p- up people's passions. We got a, It's a great interview that um, I learned a lot, actually, when, when we interviewed this guy last night because uh, he really – social media is your friend, but it also is designed in a way that it just becomes this major passion for him. And there's not a lot of checks. And then when no one's checking you and you're anonymous, man, you can get away with a lot. So you just start saying everything you want to say. And the next thing you know, you're, on the, you're on the news. Uh, we'll be covering all of that fun stuff. Um, plus, uh, now Kushner, Trump's uh, son-in-law. Mm. There's more and more information coming out about old Kush.
4: Kush. <laughs> he's, gonna,
2: he's been talking to people. He's young, though, isn't he? Yeah, old, young Kush. Old, young but Kush. But old yeah. in, the, in the sense that he's been talked about a lot. Yeah. That old.
4: Uh, so we'll get to all of that fun stuff. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's
2: going on that we should be paying attention
4: Former to? Former Today Show host, co- uh, co-host Matt Lauer this morning apologized. He had a statement that was read as the Today Show opened this morning. It says, to the people I have hurt, I am truly sorry. Some of what has been said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed or regret. My shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly. And he goes on uh, ver- uh, right after the announcement was made of his termination yesterday. Variety in New York and the New York Times uh, released the information and the stories oh, they, they were working on. They're quite detailed of the allegations against him, at least from other people, not uh. not the person that actually went to NBC and. Now, got him fired. So, so here's the weird thing. I mean, no.
2: it's it's weird. Okay. Sexual, uh, al- sexual. what are we calling it? Um, misconduct. Sex, mis- sexual misconduct or allegations of sexual misconduct. That's bad. Yes. But what about the people now that just want to go read about it? Because well, There's, that, there's it, a voyeurism it's to a, it, yes. It's selling a lot of <laughs> magazines like, oh, so what did Matt do? Now, what did he do? Give me the details. And so I might be just as worried about myself if that's what I was
4: wanting to go read.
3: That's a good maybe point. part of the problem. It's a great
4: point. Two other points. Yesterday, uh, there's a reporter on uh, Headline News. Her name is Ashley Banfield. She yeah. used to work in NBC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during, uh, she's one of the reporters that were on the street as 9-11 was happening. Oh, wow. And she was reporting from New York. She has this TV show, so she brought in former and current employees of NBC. She talked to many of them on the phone, talked to some on the air, and she said of all the people she spoke with, it's around 50% that say they knew something was going on. 50% had no idea.
2: Interesting. Hmm.
4: Some people are like, wow, they're shocked it was Matt Lauer. Other people are like, well, you know, I heard some things. Isn't it? that? And it's just this sort of uh, yeah. office culture. Who talks? Who's in the right group to know what's happening? Well, and- like in your office, do you know the guy or gal that always eats fish?
2: No. Or do you know the one that, that loves garlic? No. I, I used to... Oh,
4: well, yeah, you're not around. I'm not no. around... Uh, but, but if you're around other all day, places, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I hmm.
3: haven't seen it, but Matt, I've heard some things about you. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Naps,
4: I do <laughs> every day. I get an email every morning from a CNN media reporter. Mm-hmm. Just he puts out an Did email. You send you an email. It's personal. Terry, I mean, no, here you it's go, a brother. Nasty. But uh, there was a quote from a uh, uh, an event he was at last night. The guy was talking about. He it. It said, in the last eighteen months. NBC blew two of the biggest stories that have ever come down the, the pike for them. First, Donald Trump, the, Billy, the, the Access Hollywood tape. NBC had the tape because Access Hollywood is an NBC property. So NBC had the tape but held off and let the Washington Post why release it first. Then they go, oh, here's the video. Okay. Right? So they, they kind of it. Hold on, held off on that and people were like, that's odd. You had the tape. Why didn't you, yeah. why'd you wait? The other one was uh, the uh, Harvey Weinstein. NBC had the reporters, last name's Farrell, was working on the Harvey Weinstein case. They got real close to the end of it, and they're like, ah, they passed, and then Farrell went to the New, oh, the New Yorker with it, right? Yeah. So now they're wondering, you took those two big, high-profile sexual misconduct situations and passed. Does this have to do with because you knew something was bad in-house oh, and you didn't want to kind of put yeah, that microscope on? We don't want to on.
2: start that fight.
4: Don't know, but that's kind of being discussed.
2: And, I mean, those are two mega... Powerhouses.
4: Right. Maybe, yeah, you don't. Oh, boy. Not sure. Hmm. White House responded to reports that anti Muslim videos retweeted by President Trump on Wednesday are fake by basically shrugging. Whether it's a real video, the threat is real, and that's what the president is talking about. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told the press the videos were initially shared by Jida Franson, the deputy leader of Britain's far right anti-immigrant Britain First group. The videos have been debunked not to show immigrant Muslim violence, and so they're they're kind of they're they're graphic videos of people yeah. being uh, being attacked basically, but they're being attacked by fellow citizens, not immigrants to the country that they're in. Yeah. And so the whole point of what the video is supposed to to mean and to represent isn't what it it is. But the president goes ahead and retweets those. Well, I mean, because somebody's got to report the news. I guess. Uh, a poll conducted by JMC Analytics has Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore ahead of his Democratic opponent Doug Jones by five percentage points. Wow. 48 to 43 per uh, an Alabama newspaper. Earlier this month, JMC had Jones leading by Moore by four points. so It was the other way. The Democrat was yeah. leading down there in Alabama. It's back and forth. Other polls released this week tell a similar story that Moore is regaining ground after the outrage from the allegations of sexual harassment has cooled down. Based on these findings, JMC concludes that the sexual misconduct allegations against against Moore have not materially impacted the race. Oh, please. So people are warming up to this idea.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah, Maybe I do
3: want an older man hitting on a younger woman.
2: It reminds me of the old days uh, when we used to have mall walking. Yeah. And it's (laughs) like a race at a mall, and Roy Moore is like this tenacious competitor that just keeps circling the mall. Just circling, but always a couple steps ahead of Jones.
3: Mall walking.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Is that like when you throw on some Reeboks and
4: yeah. put on a headband and uh-huh.
2: That's what
3: he did. do a
4: speedball? Apparently, walk?
2: he used to be really good at it when he was a young man.
4: Wow. Senate <laughs> candidate Roy Moore on Wednesday told churchgoers in Alabama the LGBT community slash Washington establishment is behind the multiple sexual misconduct allegations against him. Oh,
2: okay, yeah,
3: hold on. He kind, of, it. He kind it.
4: of ranted and raved a little Hold bit.
2: on. Uh, the LGBTQ
4: community G- communities behind it yep. but none of the women that came out were lgbtq no they and, were just and several young were, girls several that voted were... for president trump so saying their washington establishment is kind of huh. an interesting approach well
2: you know alabama you got a big decision to make
4: uh the senate on wednesday voted to open debate on the gop tax overhaul bill setting up a vote on final passage later this week the party line vote 5248 represented the largest step forward for the legislation so far Many mm. many are still concerned that it may raise the national debt. Yeah, the uh, official score says it will add one point four, one point five trillion to the deficit over the next ten years, and it relies on strong economic growth models to lessen that impact. Well,
2: yeah, yeah, but what you're failing to notice mm. is how the the economy will be impacted. Sure, the deficit will go up one point four trillion. Mm but the economy will grow like crazy, a lot of money will be brought back to America. That's what they're saying.
4: Yeah. They have no way to know this or Well,
2: it's a prediction. I bet you two more Trump uh rest or Trump um hotels will be open maybe. Okay. A
4: couple more golf courses. There's some ideas. <laughs> it's a big deal. And what if it doesn't pass? They feel like they have the votes. That's why they're well, pushing it through at record speed. Didn't we hear that with healthcare and Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, finally an airline pilots union says a computer glitch at American Airlines left approximately 15,000 scheduled flights during the busy December holiday travel season without a captain, co-pilot, or both. Mm-hmm. This sounds like something we could pull off here oh,
3: yeah. at BYU Radio. A little mo- yeah. Who couldn't? I mean, it's just an airplane. <laughs> let's get let's get Lynn on the glitch.
4: Lynn, we need a they, the Allied Pilots Association tells CNN that it learned about a failure within the pilot scheduling bidding system last Friday. Thousands of flights currently do not have pilots assigned to, the, to fly them during the upcoming critical holiday period. Oh According to the LA Times, a computer error let too many pilots get time off for the holidays. Or as American Airlines Captain Dennis uh, Taser put it to CNBC, the system went from responsibly scheduling everyone to become becoming Santa Claus for everyone. Yeah. They just left all these dates open for vacations. Everyone took it because, you know, Christmas. Well, who wouldn't want? Yeah. I don't want to fly during Christmas. Um, so Apparently, though, they have loaded planes. Because <laughs> the computer said, hey, y'all, you want the days off? You got it. So now they're trying to fix wow. it. Wow. You think that would,
2: just just the fact that their computer talks like a yeah. southern. It's like, what's going on?
4: So American Airlines says, we, re- we have reserve pilots to help cover flying in December, and we are paying pilots who pick up certain open trips 150% of their hourly rate Ooh. to try to cover this mistake. Let's get Elon Musk on a self-flying
3: plane. Oh, let's not do that. Why not? Well, but you want to live. They sort of self-fly <gasps> by themselves anyway. So wait a minute. You're all for self-driving cars, yes. but not self-driving plane or self-flying planes. Yeah, no. Well, there's two critical moments in every flight. But you're safer in a plane than you are in the car. Did you know that? Yeah.
4: So explain yourself. It's just the takeoffs and the landings that I care to have a pilot for. <laughs> and for the most part, that's what they do. They yeah. take off, autopilot... Yeah. And then take it off autopilot to land. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're going to somehow,
2: you know, drop one off mid-flight, I kind of feel like they need to be there for the
3: takeoff. Hey, it worked in the film Airplane when they had that autopilot. Yeah. That inflated.
2: Yeah, that was different. Okay. That didn't work, actually. That was a movie. Man, Jeff. Do we have to keep teaching you this? All movies aren't true, Jeff.
3: Did you realize we're only going to process about half of what you say
4: as long as this TV is on behind you? No,
2: I totally do. Neither of you are even Just attention.
3: watching a guy
4: <laughs> standing in uh, the Bahamas talking about golf. It and doesn't even matter what he says. Nope, he's in the Bahamas. He's on the TV, so we're watching. It's beautiful.
2: Well, why is it that you two
3: get to see the TV, but I have to just look at you two? Are you
4: complaining about that? Yeah. I'm a little upset about that. Speaking of movies, that Avengers trailer got 41 million views in 24 hours. Yeah, but you watched it like 5 million times. Well, yeah, I did my part. Do you know how many times I've been criticized because I haven't
3: watched it yet? Six. It's a good guess.
2: How many? What's the accurate answer? Well, it's probably just more like two. Okay. Um, (laughs) Help us here, Terry, with what's going on with Michael Flynn. Has he
4: turned on the president or not? The, The... the belief is that he had. Last week his lawyers said they've stopped communicating about any sort of uh, ongoing investigation with the White House. Even which like means, the grand jury's been postponed. Yeah. So if you cut off contact with the White House lawyers, then the suspect they, they suspect he's talking with uh, the, the, the investigators. He's talking with Mueller. And he's doing this to protect his his boy. Yeah. Apparently his boy
2: could have been got, could have gotten in some big trouble. Here. Well,
4: he's in trouble because he was coordinating with Turkey. He was coordinate. The the, the story that came out was uh, Michael Flynn was coordinating with Turkey to set up a what felt like a kidnapping. Oh, of yeah. a guy who's in this country lawfully. Yeah. Because the government of Turkey thinks he's the guy that that. Oh, the this is the pastor, dude. Or yeah, the, he's the yeah he they he's a cleric, I guess you oh, could he's say. Cleric. But he uh, somehow is the guy that was responsible for the attempted coup over uh-huh. President Erdogan in, yeah. in Turkey. So they're all trying to do this, and Flynn was trying to kind of to, a pseudo. But there was like a kidnapping, three to five million dollar payoff that that Ooh. Michael Flynn and his his friends that were involved in all this would have gotten. It's just a weird situation for the guy heading up the National Security yeah. Committee for you know so. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting story. Now, is he actually cooperating or not? I don't believe we Mueller's don't even said. But no. but it is interesting that Mueller could just sit back and just kind of leave this out there. And, and some, some people are suggesting some of the erratic behavior over the last few days from the president. Yeah. The Pocahontas stuff, the tweeting of videos, the just uh, kind of odd comments on some of the live uh, speeches he's given recently is that because he's feeling pressure because yeah, maybe set, yeah. Flynn knows things and he's concerned about what he's saying and Flynn may know even more about Kushner i guess
2: too because now Kushner's on the hot seat right next week trump junior like trump junior is going to go to the go to the the, the house because he's already yeah. spoken to the senate uh, meanwhile, Ivanka is going to hold some big meeting and uh, the – no, who is it? The State Department hmm. leaders aren't going. Did you hear about that? No. Where are they going? Uh, just not interested. <laughs> OK. That's rude. <laughs> but it, it may be talking more about like there's tension between Tillerson and the big dog, oh. uh, Presidente Trump. Presidente. Mm-hmm. That's just his international reference. El Jefe? El Jefe. Hey, uh, a study that's out uh, shows that the car you drive may reveal whom you voted for. Really? Mm-hmm. Stanford University researchers used a computer algorithm. Mm. They're using a lot of these lately. Right. To determine whether uh, the, a neighborhood leaned left or right by looking at the vehicles in 50 million of images from the street, Google Street app in that area. Okay. So by just they just going through the images, they can actually determine what. Uh, with eighty-eight percent chance, they can determine if who you voted for. Sedans outnumbered pickup trucks. Um, uh, when sedans outnumbered pickup trucks, there was an eighty-eight percent chance that the city would vote Democratic. Mm. Right. So Democrats apparently drive sedans. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess Republicans drive
4: trucks. Of course. With, I guess, mud flaps how that else do you, are... How else do you... I mean, you can put those huge flags in the bed of your truck. I mean, you oh, can't yeah. do that in your car. In areas with more pickup trucks, the odds switch to 82% in favor of Republicans. If you want to roll
2: coal, you can't do that with like a nah, Civic. You're not doing that with a Taurus. No. What about a Toyota Camry Solara? No. Uh, you're probably not voting because you're in a senior center. <laughs> <laughs> There's just lack of judgment there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> No offense, but, I mean, your Solara, let's get real, is the cleanest, nicest, most perfect car in the parking lot.
3: I get compliments compliments on it everywhere I go. I'm sure you do. So this is kind of living up to the
4: stereotypes. It really is. Hmm. But apparently, Stanford's proving the stereotypes are real. Well, there's a little bit of truth in every stereotype. There's a reason why it's a stereotype. That sounds like that's a stereotypical phrase. Probably.
2: Yeah. The types of cars also provided information about the race, income, and education levels of a neighborhood in the hmm. study as well. Volkswagens and Aston Martins were associated with white neighborhoods. <laughs> Aston Martins. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a Volkswagen, um, obviously white, uh, while Chrysler's Buicks and Old Mo- Oldsmobiles tended to be, uh, appear more in African-American neighborhoods. Hmm. The researchers cross-checked their predictions against actual Census Bureau data and voting results. Wow. Pretty interesting, huh? Boy, there's the little things you learn. <laughs> We've yeah. got to
3: turn this TV off. Yeah, that, I think you need to learn that by now. We're not, we're still not
2: listening. I think you two need to learn that all you have to do is talk a little bit and no one will know you're listening.
4: We have been talking. Yeah, we're participating. No? Okay. They're just basketball highlights. I'm just, just a little
2: test we're running on the Matt Townsend show. I,
4: I, I missed some games last night.
2: We turned the television on today. And, uh, no, it was on before. It was apparently on all night. Yeah. And now I can't get my crew to crew. <laughs> what are we doing? Anyway, up next, we're going to be talking about how social media fires people's passions and builds extremist divisions. Interesting interestu- interesting, interview coming up with Dr. Robert Cozzanet. In one study released in late October by the Pew Research Center, Americans were found to have become increasingly partisan in their views on issues as diverse as health care, immigration, race and sexuality. Americans today hold a more extreme and more divergent views than they did a decade ago. And here to discuss the one of the reasons, at least for this change, is Robert Cousinets, uh Robert uh, V. Cousinets is the Jane and Hans Schmidt. Chair of Strategic Public Relations at the USC Annenberg, a position that he shares with the USC Marshall School of Business. at uh, And um, we're honored to have you here, Robert. Thanks for your time and uh, giving us some some light and understanding about social media.
1: Well, thanks very much, Dr. Matt. It's good to be here. Good to and have I'm you. I'm sorry to give you a challenge with my last name, Ang Huff-Schmidt, and Huffschmidt. I know.
2: You've, you've put it all I'm in one title. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. No, it really is. This is an interesting thing because social media. Um, it, it is. It's one of the big differences. It seems from this last election and the last few elections, we we are more socially, um, I guess, uh, engaged with our social um, media. But it doesn't necessarily mean we're we're you know more connected in a loving way. Ta- tell me about what you're finding out about yeah. social media and how it divides us.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a long story. So, uh, you know, I I will give you the summary version, and if you want to fill in some of the details, uh, we can do that. But I've I've been looking at uh, social media for about 20 years. I actually did my uh, my dissertation work in 1995 on Star Trek fans, oh,
5: wow. uh, and
1: I found that Star Trek fans. Yeah, we're using we're using social media a lot back in the 90s. Actually, some of the first people on the original internet, which was the ARPANET we were fans of of Star Trek and science fiction people, so you can kind of see the connection there. Yeah. but you know from the very beginning uh, we had these warning signs that that, that uh, when people were online, particularly in uh, environments where they were anonymized, that we saw these you know all these things like uh, you know, trolling all of this came from the from the early internet flaming uh, you know groups of people uh, getting together and attacking others. Uh, feeling, you know, um, very free to express extreme uh, opinions, and then coming back at others who expressed other uh, extreme opinions, and and being, you know, quite vehement in their criticism. Um, so it was it was really there at the beginning, and uh, to be honest, it concerned me a little bit from the start. And in my earliest stuff that I wrote, you know, well before blogging, never mind uh, Facebook and Twitter, I kind of pointed out that. Um, this was bringing out. Yes, it was connecting people, but it was also connecting their passions. Uh, and as we saw these, uh, uh, you know, sort of free from cost um, and abstract ways to express ourselves become more and more common, we also saw this license to, um, you know, express a, a level of animosity that people would really hesitate to do. In uh, real, I certainly hope they would hesitate. Uh, to do in real life. Um, And so, you know, to be honest, I think we're still seeing the tip of the iceberg. Social media is still, uh, you know, growing. Uh, The amount of time people are spending on on it in general is growing. We've got generations now that are growing up with this this as an essential way to communicate. And, you know, the research that um, that you're quoting that we started off by looking at you know looking at some of the things that were going on in the you know the, the political partisan sphere, but it certainly doesn't only extend to that uh, that you know that's that's more more recent uh, work that that really uh, came from some uh, looking at at food porn and what we found in that uh, study was that when people stayed with their their groups you know if you're on Facebook and you're a member of sort of a you know food sharing group or recipe sharing group or a mom's group then there was a there was a real pressure to um, to conform basically to the to the ideals and the norms of, of those groups and that was fine so you see this sort of you know, I mean I guess it's I guess it's not fine if you really wanted to be expressive and creative but if you're talking to your group it's a pretty uh, tame and civilized conversation and it doesn't really go out of bounds but once people wanted to extend that group and talk to wider groups uh, sort of build their own personal brand and have this uh, wider appeal so if you wanted to become a food blogger you had to reach out in some way and one of the ways that a number of people were doing it because it was fairly effective and fairly easy to do was to take an extreme position yeah. so if you were yeah so if you're a food blogger you 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 post a picture of of a you know a crazy pizza that has mm-hmm. hamburgers and fried chicken and all kinds of things uh, baked on it. If you're involved in you know a relationships or or uh, sex, then you have something on the extreme end of that. But the problem over time is that those things become the benchmarks, and they move more and more towards the mainstream, and and things get more and more extreme to to. Seem marginal when what used to be marginal is now mainstream.
5: Oh so you boy, got this
1: moving target. Yeah, and then and that's what we're seeing happen. Um, you know, I think it explains quite a bit that's going on in the world right now. Things seem to be moving very quickly. Uh, you know, out of our control into these extremes, and to these polar polar oppositions
2: boy i fact it's it's we, funny that you say that because when I started radio about ten years ago, uh the person that was coaching me basically said, um yeah you gotta you gotta take a very extreme position, so don't just don't just have a position, take an extreme position, and yeah. then that's how we'll grow our listenership and I'm like, well, but I don't wanna take an extreme position on family and marriage and all these other things right. I was talking about." Anyway, it was but it it does it but I guess that what it does is it ignites yeah. passions but it doesn't necessarily increase right. accuracy or information.
1: I think actually the contrary. Yeah, exactly. Right? So what you're mentioning is very very informative because what was happening there was you were trying to broaden your audience, right? Yeah. And and in, instead of appealing to the mainstream because that's not so interesting, you were the advice you were given was to go to the extremes because that will attract more people or at least more more um uh, more vocal people, right, more visible people, and now, if you multiply that, so it, now think about all the people who are online who are building their own brands and building their own followings right and want to have a lot of retweets or they want to have a lot of subscribers or they have a YouTube channel, all of them following that same advice at yeah. the same time that 's what we 're seeing
2: oh that 's so yeah. scary because then you 've also you have to keep you have to keep the monster fed. Right. So you you have to right. keep going more and more extreme.
1: That's the whole idea. So, you know, I mean, we the the data I have stretches back again, 20 years, looking at uh, fragmentation and a whole bunch of other things. The more recent stuff is only on food porn. But we thought, well, this, you know, this kind of, when we saw that Pew Internet uh, research result, which showed, you know, over time, these. Uh, partisan groups sort of pulling apart, so there was nothing in between only the extremes we thought well that's that looks very similar to the kind of effect that that you know that we 're postulating so i don 't have data from all of that i don 't know that you can get data from all of that right. but I, you know I am an anthropologist by training so i 'm really i 'm very interested in uh, the effect of technology on culture, and so that 's what i 've been you know constantly attuned to, and my feeling is that you know there 's been some Amazingly positive uh, aspects of technology, and we hear a lot about those because obviously it's in the interest of the companies uh, that are that are promoting them to, to let us know that there are a lot of good things coming from it. But the negative ones we don't hear as much about. Now we're starting to see them. but I think people are very confused about cause and effect. and I do think that technology is playing a big part in this because what it's doing is it's turning everybody, into a little entrepreneur like like you were and right. like you were advised to do yeah. to gain audience by going to the extremes.
2: Well, and they've even... Oprah has talked about it for years, how many times they kept telling her to push to extremes like some of the other uh, people in her market. And and she actually kept trying not to go to the extreme but stay in the middle, um, you know, where Mari Povich may have gone more extreme and Ricky Lake and all these other, ta- mm-hmm. other people were doing it. I guess, is there... Uh, is there a moderate medium? Um, can you can you accumulate a social media following, and only you know take care of the the average person instead of the extreme? Or are, is really social media just made up of a bunch of extremes?
1: Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think the answer is uh, we don't necessarily know because there's so much of that iceberg under the water. Yeah, and, and by that I mean when you look at social media like let's say you look at Twitter for example so for every person who posts on Twitter there are at least a hundred probably as much as a thousand who've seen that that post but but decide not to Hmm. and so who's the ones who are posting right Who who are those people and and what do they tend to post well they tend to be the ones who are most engaged right the most passionate the most filled with emotional energy about that particular topic and what they express is stuff that's uh, very emotionally engaged. And so when you look at social media, you get this impression that, wow, everybody is so emotionally engaged and so polarized and and so negative, uh, you know, very strong uh, reactions. But those are only the ones who are posting. <laughs> They're right. not your typical audience. And, and so I think you can you can still appeal to a a wide mainstream group, but you won't get that, you know, MBA talk, you won't get that level of engagement the same way because you're not engaging with people's passion in the same way. So part of the issue is how we're measuring what engagement is and what we're really looking for. And I I know you have a blog, um, but what do you know about the people who don't comment on your blog?
2: Yeah, right. No, not much.
1: (laughs) Not much. The yeah. ones who do comment, I bet you get some, you know, oh. some, some saucy comments. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. It's so, 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 so do, that, do we need to be more even, active in commenting? Me. Sorry? Do we need to be more active in our comments? Like, I mean, cause I might, yeah. I mean, if, if I want, if I want moderation to win, then I probably need to verbalize more moderation in my comment.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that is part of the answer for sure. Um, you know, I think as people get more used to social media, you'll probably get a mainstreaming of who's commenting, and those comments will start to start to, to, to move to a more moderate level. But you know, I also think that there needs to be some oversight, moderation. You know, the literal moderation of of uh, of, of websites and social media groups. When when uh, the internet started, you had all these moderated groups. And it was someone was in charge of making sure that stuff didn't get out of control. Um, we don't have as much of that, and I think most of the experts and most of the the other academics who are studying social media, like I am, feel that there needs to be more of that, and that uh, you know some of these um, uh, social networking uh, companies and sites need to be playing a more active role. And we're starting to see this a little bit with Facebook, but they're very you know they're very hesitant to come in and, and interfere with. With things, but I think uh, some of these things do need to be interfered with. So maybe you know people have to register, uh, and you have to have some kind of of oversight. And then there'll always be sites where things are open and free. But I think people need to feel that there is a safe space for communicating uh, ideas that that are you know not necessarily uh, not necessarily extreme and and out there, but can politely disagree. Yeah. And I also think, and i I think you've had a number of guests who've probably mentioned this in the past that you know we're we're seeing kind of a, a general degrading of the level of stability uh in in discourse and in society, and part of that I think is also technological because we feel like you know we're alone in our room and we can say anything you're just sitting there on your cell phone yeah. standing in a line and somebody says something that annoys you and you 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 know you know you rip off a, a couple of really insulting sentences and send it um and that's something that we haven't gotten used to, I think, as a you know, as a kind of a, a species. That this extension of our of our thinking is actually has has big ramifications and and major effects. It's not just us typing on a screen, but it's us shouting out insults that thousands of people could potentially hear or more.
2: Yeah, and that are so, tied uh, to my identity, right? That are tied to me. Right. Yeah, because right. it is right. it, like you were so saying, it could be you're so anonymous to this that. and you're sitting in your living room or whatever, and, yeah, I'm going to say this, but there's no accountability. There's no feedback loop.
1: No, no, that's right. And we're not used to it, right? Your parents never sort of walked you through this as, you know, we get lessons in table manners. We get lessons in how to act around adults. Nobody ever told anybody how you act on social media. I mean, I have have three kids who are very active on their cell phones. You know, I rarely see their faces when they're – you know, when their cell phones are around, and I don't know you know they they go in their room, close the door and i don't know what they're doing on there most of the time i mean that's that's not good. I'm a social media scholar, <laughs> uh, but you know i'm a, I'm feeling like this is as out of control, I think as most parents do, and I think that's wrong. I think we need to build in as part of our education and as part of our parenting here's what you do, and here's what you don't do on social media. And the platforms. It would be great if the platforms would help us in that task by making some of those things uh, amenable to our control.
2: Yeah, it's or true. To our supervision. Yeah, like a standard, uh, or like an eth, or a, an etiquette, a protocol. Again, we're speaking with Robert exactly. Uh He is the Jane and Hans. Huff-Schmidt Chair of Strategic Public Relations at USC Annenberg, which is a position shares that he shares uh, with the USC Marshall School of Business as well. And Robert is talking to us about how social media fires up our passions. And um, so so there, I guess there's a lot of, of what's going on, but it, you've only been really studying – you've been studying it for 20 years. But this – is it going to just keep getting louder and louder and more aggressive Um or where do you see this going in the future, Robert?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I, I think as like, there are a number of, of of forces here, right? You're talking about something that's affecting Facebook has 2 billion active, monthly active users. And so there's no one direction that this is going to go in. I think what we're going to see is uh, increasing pressure. To, to have some sort of a mainstream voice to calm this down through moderation and, and even regulation, and I, I, I think that the, uh, the, the social network companies are aware of this and they're, they're thinking about it, but they haven't had any kind of restraint. And the uh, you know the Silicon Valley ethic is a bit of a Wild West ethic of really against any kind of of control and that comes from some somewhat the early days of the internet if people ignore the fact that early on moderation was noted to be something that was useful and on the other hand you have these these social forces that that once they start they build their own momentum Um, and so the paper on food porn was really a a paper about desire and we ended up talking about technology combining Uh, food and our natural biological hungers for food and for, for delight with the visual capabilities of smartphones, which go with you everywhere, and which allow you to see a heck of a lot more food than you could ever possibly eat, and the transformative possibilities of networked communication lead to this amplification of desire, right? So you've got and think about it, in, you can think about it in terms of relationships or, or porn. There's been some very interesting things that have been written about how uh, porn has affected uh, people's view of what a normal sex life should be. Hmm, right. um, and so, you, so you've got all this, these amplifying effects of everything that people feel passionate about happening, and it's being filtered through the technology. And the more desirous you feel, the more active and energized and passionate you feel, the more that indicates on the you know the corporate dials of of the valuations of companies and the key performance indicators that they're measuring things like engagement that that the technology is successful and doing what it's supposed to be doing hmm. so we've got we've got these contending forces right and who knows where it's going to go yeah. it, it, right now right now someone you know some force something Maybe it's each of us individually taking control of our own behavior as well. Uh, but something has to happen to, to put the thumb on the scale and tilt it one way or the other because you've got forces that are, that are, are, are normalizing, but I think you've got even stronger forces trying to pull things apart. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's what we're feeling in society now. No, I and think I don't you're right. think it's just society or culture, it's technology.
2: I agree. I think you're right on, and uh, I so appreciate it, Robert. That's It's just great insight, and again, from a father of three as well, so you understand those fears as well. We appreciate you being with us. Again, Robert Kazanets is his name, and uh, he's doing what he can to research and understand better the impact of all this passion, folks. It's coming from something, and don't, don't always trust it as good. You know, all passion uh, might just be folding back on itself and turning into something even uglier. Um, that's, why we, that's why we brought him on, to help better understand what's going on in the research. We'll continue the journey, folks, doing what we can to make your life healthier, happier, and to help you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Does this song bring up any uh, memories for you? Because apparently we're celebrating an anniversary. 35 years ago, this album was released. <laughs> 35 years ago, I was 13. Really? Yeah. Why, why does that surprise you?
3: Uh, it doesn't.
2: Like, you? Th- what, you think I'm 80, 65, maybe 70?
3: Mm, somewhere in there. I was yet to be born. Oh. Can you believe that? You weren't born when this was... No, I was just about to be born. So you were in utero. I think this album came out kind of as a warning that I was coming. Yeah.
2: Here comes a thriller, folks. A really scary zombie-like baby, soon to be. I was big. I was 10-4. Really? Yeah. Or is that just what they said? 10-4? <laughs> were you really 10-4? Yep. Man, you were big. Lardo. Ooh. I mean, in a loving way, I mean that. Sure. I was seven, like, two. Puny man. Are you making fun of my baby size? No, I meant that in the best way possible. See what I did there? Yeah, you just used my favorite line. It's amazing. This this song changed lives. This got a lot of people dancing that probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> they can do that zombie that's curled the, finger. That's the truest thing you've said today. Yeah. Very true. I remember dancing, not dancing. I remember my wife when we were dating, because we dated in high school, four years after this song came out. I remember in her, she had a little dance room in her house with mirrors, and I remember playing it, and we were all just messing around to it, dancing. Did she, she ever see me dance? By the way, did
3: she ever get worried when you were dancing in front of the mirror and realized she couldn't see your reflection?
2: Yeah, that used to freak her out. The bigger thing was when I was wearing a leotard. You know,
3: this is this is interesting because now I'm just realizing that you only like to record your show in the dark hours of the of the morning. Oh yeah, I can't even drive home when there's light. It burns. Is that why you have one of those uh, coffin cars? Yeah.
2: And a driver. -driver. Mm self-driver? Mm-hmm. Self-driving Tesla coffin car. (laughs) Oh, that's coffin. Yeah, I'm coughing. Coughing. Yeah. That's what you meant. So happy birthday to Thrilla. Thriller. (laughs) Thrilla is what it
3: would be called if it was released today. Yeah. But there would be like a Z in there somehow.
2: There's got to be a remake of that, right? Hasn't somebody. I don't think anybody would ever have the audacity to try to remake that. Are you kidding? Have you ever heard of Kanye West? He's the king of audacity. The audacity of Kanye. Uh, We will continue the journey. Up next, we got uh, some more empty news for you. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world and stay informed about Thriller. Welcome back. You know, a big video game uh, company, what do we call those? Publisher. Like, publisher. Yeah. is
4: is uh, Has a big lawsuit on its hands. <laughs> this is it's kind of funny. Um, so Activision is the name of the company. Yeah. They, they are the uh, publisher of the video game series Call of Duty, which is a huge franchise. Yeah. It Activision. Ma- it makes more money than most Hollywood blockbusters. Yeah. In a very short amount of time. It's more more lucrative than any of these Avenger, Marvel-type movies that make tons of money. Activision, they are seeking uh, to oppose a patent filed in the U.S. for a dog waste removal service. Oh, boy. The publishers of uh, a game called Destiny, which is another big title, and Call of Duty, have been granted an extension to oppose a patent for the Call of Duty service. <laughs> so don't mess with Call of Duty. Yeah. So there's a married couple in California. They have this uh, dog waste removal service. They'll come over to your house. They'll clean up your yard. If right. you don't want to do it, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff, take it away from you. It says uh, this is their service uh, revolving around helping people clean up after their furry friends range from $6 hosing off of solid patios to twice weekly uh, scooping. Bleh. Types of you know, you don't want to do that. That's a bad call. That's like an eighty dollar a month value there. So there they're their companies called Call of Duty. <laughs> Yeah, don't mess with our don't and, mess with our and, name. And Activision's like, hey, that's our video game. Don't do that. You're soiling it. So Activision seems uh, threatened by this. They have successfully requested, requested an extension for the amount of time they have to mount an opposition against the service. They originally had until the end of November to register their opposition, but the new de- deadline is the end of the year. So they're they have twenty three trademarks on the Call of Duty franchise, the video game in the U S. Some of which are inactive, but none of which relates to uh removing dog waste from people's words yeah that would make me mad just some punk
2: company wants to stink up my logo and my brand
4: right and they're capitalizing on the game to have this sort of pun for their company not punny so do they Does does the video game publisher have a case yes they have they make billions of dollars who had the name first well they did well they have call of duty d-u-t-y yeah, but they're calling it duty. Yeah. Do you know how many
3: companies could be put out of business in other countries that are just blatantly uh, ripping off oh, yeah. a well, logo or a
2: trademark? Lots of people will rip you off. I mean, it's the sign of success. Right. But the benefit of being the successful one is that you then, I guess, you sue the small
4: people. <laughs> that. So they put out one video game. This Activision, they make billions on Call of Duty. Yep, sure. Should they be worried about a dog cleanup service in California? Um, A husband and wife, one truck. they shouldn't be worried,
2: except that's the precedence, right? You've got Mm -hmm. to shut down. You can't let one in, or there will be one in every city stinking it up. What if they've never even heard of the video game? Oh, they have. Oh, they have. They've heard. They've heard. Um, Oh. What are you going to do? Well, it's hard to be the small person. Maybe, you know, maybe it's time to get a new name. You know, the quicker picker-upper. There's one for you. You Can't take that one either. See if you get a lawsuit there. (laughs) Anyway, we're doing what we can to help, folks, to ease your burden as you make it through this crazy thing we call life. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at one eight five five chat BYU.
2: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend now on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with my good friends, Dr. Jeff and Dr. Terry. I'm I'm your good friend. I'm a doctor. Okay, let's restart. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Terry and Jeff, two wow. uh, bystanders that are just uh, hanging out in my studio. We've been stripped of our doctor status as, as well friend as friend our status. friend
6: status. Yeah,
4: I've defriended you, which you can do. You, that's what you can do because we have social media now. If I, if, I, if I somehow receive an honorary doctorate, could I be a doctor at that point?
2: I don't know. Hmm.
4: I mean, I guess you could.
2: But you wouldn't really be con- perceived as a real doctor. I've already – I spent the entire weekend with real doctors mm. and pretty much – No, no. Medical doctors yeah.
4: or just people that went yeah. to school a long time?
2: No, they're
3: medical doctors. Oh, okay. Cool. There are some people <laughs> yeah. that if they, if they were named doctors simply mm-hmm. for the fact that they went to school for a long time, Yeah. We'd have a lot of doctors living in their parents' basement. Well, no, those
2: are called, those are just fraternity goers. That's not okay. Just because you're at a frat house for a long time doesn't make you a doctor. Okay, smarty pants. Mm. So there's a nuclear holocaust pending. Are you serious? Listen. Says who? There's one person Mm. who has studied nuclear science his entire life. Right. He has a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. He will not show up unless you recognize he's a doctor. Would you rather than call your medical doctor mm-hmm. to come have him stop this Holocaust, or would you rather just call the man doctor? We'll
4: just call him doctor.
2: I would call
3: somebody like Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Channing Tatum, Mark Wahlberg, Will Smith, people yeah. that are... That are That are uh, equipped to deal with this sort of thing. They save
4: the world. We've seen it before.
2: Um, Yeah. The problem is you guys tend to disrespect the title doctor unless it's your medical doctor, which neither of you ever go to.
4: I'm going by the AP standard. No, that's not right. (laughs) Like you would be Matt Townsend, comma, PhD, comma, PhD. A And then however else you want to be known by. by. But if it's a medical doctor, then it's doctor so-and-so. Yeah. Why is that? Because they said there's confusion because generally when people hear the term doctor, they Mm -hmm. think someone who's going to fix you in a medical way, not a a psychologist or a sociologist or a journalism professor that's a doctorate. So now that makes a lot of sense unless you're on a
2: campus Hmm. full of Ph.D. Right. By the way, the degree is a doctorate. Absolutely. a philosophy. So being on the campus, which we are on, mm. and having well, PhDs on the show we're regularly. We're on the fringe
4: of campus. Oh, like see. you cross the street from the building and you're in neighborhood. So we're off campus at yeah. that point. So see, this they, is, they pushed us to the very fringe. Yeah, this is where you're going to... Along with all uh, the sports. Got this is where you're going to have trouble because, because you're probably going to die in a nuclear holocaust. It'll be great. Hopefully the, the non... Well, they're PhDs, but... We're not going to call them doctors. You know what you're doing right now, by the way? What am I doing?
2: You're you're increasing my blood pressure. Really?
4: Mm -hmm. Nice. Because,
2: and now the new guidelines are going to matter. (sighs) We Talked about this, what, last week? Yeah. Apparently, they're lowering the standards for high blood
4: pressure. And instantly making millions of people going from their blood pressure is fine to having high blood pressure. Yeah, they were pre, Mm. what's the term, uh,
2: pre-hypertensive. There you go. Now they are hypertensive. So we're going to be talking to an expert. Then what I, are you if you were hypertensive before? Then now you're mega hypertensive.
4: Ooh! So have people gone from their, their blood pressure is at an okay level to now being pre-hypertensive? Yes. Wow. But I think they
2: got rid of pre-hypertensive and just lowered it to now you're just hypertensive. I don't like all these labels. There's not a pre-hypertensive because now it's, you're just normal if you're pre Is
4: there any truth to the conspiracy that it was done by pharmaceutical companies to sell blood pressure medicine to more people? Yeah, maybe. By Except, lowering the standard to make more people have to go get those pills. Yeah. Now, none of the doctors that made the
2: decision would say that's why they did it. They say they did it because there's too many people that aren't getting the message that they're not healthy. Okay. So they've got to jump on this earlier. Hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: what that's about.
4: And and I believe this was announced at the American Heart Association meetings where the president of the American Heart Association had a heart attack. Yeah. Ooh, that's right. See, and if he had just known, then that wouldn't have happened. Yes. Wow.
2: That's a big deal. That is a big deal. So we're going to be talking about it today with a doctor Dr. Yes. Paul Welton. Well, we'll find out if he's a real MD. He's an MD. So we'll call him doctor. He'll be referred to as Dr. Paul. He's an MSc. Wow. K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. M-O-U-S-E. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's a mouse <laughs> Oh, He'll be so proud to hear that. Great. No, he's a researcher for heaven's sakes. Oh, sorry. Unlike uh, a credible researcher, obviously, because he has an MD, and the only credible researchers on the earth are medical doctors. Hmm. No,
4: no I don't believe anyone has said that. Give me a break. Just, there used to be a distinction between Not the doctors really. that no. fix you and Not the doctors really. that are all soft and squishy.
2: I'll fix you. I'll fix you. So we'll get to that fun. Uh, Speaking of soft and squishy, uh, Mm. anything going on in
4: Washington we should be paying attention to? There's all kinds of squish going on in Washington. Let's get to those headlines. So they've gone from awkwardly holding hands to engaged in a war of words with President Trump, of all people, telling British Prime Minister uh, Minister Theresa May to find her or mind her own business. On Wednesday morning, Trump retweeted videos posted by a member of the right-wing anti-immigrant, anti-Islam group, Britain First any more antis in there yeah you got multiple antis if your group is set up be multiple anti 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 maybe you're the problem well because if you have too many antis you're actually pro yeah it starts coming back around Mm -hmm. two negatives make a positive it's crazy one claimed uh, to show a Muslim immigrant boy beating up a Dutch child the Dutch embassy in the United States said the boy was not an immigrant but was born and raised in the Netherlands and was prosecuted for the crime uh, May's spokesperson said it was wrong for the president to have done this. Adding, British people are overwhelmingly reject they overwhelmingly reject the prejudiced uh, rhetoric of the far right, which is the antithesis of the values that this country represents: decency, tolerance, and respect. Trump waited several hours before he responded, tweeting Wednesday night at Teresa underscore May: "Don't focus on me. Focus on the destructive, radical Islamic terrorism that is taking place within the United Kingdom. We're doing just fine." It was actually his second attempt at messaging May. In his first tweet, the Prime Minister Trump, um, or towards the tr- Prime Minister Trump instead tagged at Theresa May, a woman named Theresa Shrivener who has six followers and lives here in the U.S. <laughs> so that woman was just getting on blast oh, all you afternoon, imagine? and she put out a thing saying, people, I'm not the Prime Minister. <laughs> that
2: poor lady. Stop tweeting me.
4: All these people are showing up at her house protesting. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Look, I've just got to get to work. Holy so, cow.
4: well, fallout from tweets. What yeah. are you gonna do? Minnesota Public Radio fired writer and longtime uh, Prairie Home Companion host Garrison Keller on Wednesday following allegations of inappropriate behavior. The Associated Press reports in a statement, Keller said he was fired over a story that I think is more interesting and more complicated than the version that was actually heard. Details of the allegations have not been made public. They actually have. He uh, something about he went to console somebody and he put his hand on their back and then it's she moved and it went up the back her shirt up the back of her shirt or something like that so he's his his events seem... The way he explains it is innocent. You could see where she could probably see it a different way. Oh, yeah. And so they've just cut loose him completely. Now, he retired from Prairie Home Companion in 2016, but still produces a couple shows on Minnesota Public Radio, and so they've just separated themselves from him. On Wednesday, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that President Trump has asked Kellyanne Conway, his counselor, to become the opioid czar. She will coordinate and lead the effort from the White House to solve the problem of opioid overdoses, which... Killed tens of thousands of Americans in 2016, session set. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. We're never going to solve that one. You know what her background is? What? To justify being in charge of this? What? Um, She's close to the president in the White House.
2: Hmm. Well.
4: She, may, she may have people that she knows that were affected by it, but.
2: Well, yeah. But somebody's got
4: to. Be close sure. to him. Someone's gotta there be in they charge are. of this. But There's the guy. Another the gal. another person with a lot of responsibility but not a lot of experience unless you're looking at real estate. Uh, Jared Kushner reportedly met with special counsel Robert Mueller's team earlier this month. CNN reports that uh, Kushner, President Trump's son-in-law, was specifically asked about former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Flynn has been a target of the special counsel's investigation into Russia's election meddling. Mr. Kushner has voluntarily cooperated with all relevant inquiries and will continue to do so. Kushner's lawyer says, uh, Flynn's lawyers last week cut off communication channels with Trump or Flynn's lawyers, that's what I said, right? Flynn's lawyers last week cut off communications with Trump's lawyers, an indication that he might be cooperating with investigators. And so you got Flynn and then Kushner and then... Oh, boy. Is the White House feeling the heat? I don't know. They probably are, hopefully, more worried about North Korea, maybe a tax bill, maybe other things that are more important. Yeah, they shouldn't have to worry about Flynn. I mean, there's nothing going on there. (laughs) That's what they say. It's all clean. And finally, scientists have called for glitter. To be banned globally because it is a threat that presents itself to wildlife and all living things, basically. No, t- and I agree. true. Glitter is evil. There's no place for glitter on this world. Someone gave us some um, cups, basically, for a wedding, and they put <clears throat> glitter in them so that when you went to use them you just either you'd fill up and there'd be glitter in your, whatever you were drinking or you'd dump them out and there's glitter everywhere yeah. Why so would you want that? You don't and we were finding glitter for like five years from that one incident on our wedding <laughs> But But that, that's the gift that keeps giving is glitter. These the, were friends, right? Or was this a curse that was placed upon you? It was actually someone that worked for me So, um, Ooh. They were friendly You though. should have given them that they Thanksgiving were. off yeah. <laughs> They knew the, you loved glitter The glistening decorative powder may seem harmless, but environmental researchers claim it is a uh, dangerous pollutant, particularly to oceans. The problem has mm. become so severe that plastics are found in a third of all fish caught in Great Britain, according to a study out of uh, Plymouth University. Uh, the researcher said, I was quite concerned when someone brought my daughters some uh, shower gel that had glitter particles in it. That stuff is going to escape down the, uh, the drain and potentially enter the environment, right? Because yeah. where does it go? And it Whoa. just... Hold on. Shouldn't you worry what the glitter will do to
2: your daughter? Well, there's that too. I mean, forget the drain for a minute. I mean, I get it. That's a big deal. But so
4: scientists are urging... are we glittering the daughter? They're urging a ban of all microplastics, which is anything under five millimeters in length. Their uh, small size and sparkling appearance make them appealing to animals who will eat them.
3: No. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, why... it's
4: not good. Like if you buy a fishing lure those plastic yeah, worms, they're, they're all glittery and they, they reflect light. So the fish will go right for them. Oh, so there's and this then fish. we eat the fish. That's mm-hmm. so, it. In fact, in, in this article, it's out of the UK, and they call the shower drain. Yeah, do you know what they call a shower drain? No, what? they have the alternative words yeah. that we don't. They call it a plug hole. Come again? A plug hole. Okay, that's what they ah. call it.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so too much glitter is going down the plug hole.
4: The plug hole. Wow, that's another thing they need to fix. Yeah, <laughs> they're using the language wrong. Yeah, that's. just seems... they, they – they, They're kind of the originators of the language, at least that's where we got it. Actually, not to the Greeks, which I am a part of. I know, of. but it came from – 7% of me is right, Greek right, or Italian. Right, Great. Why do you say it that way? Because you keep talking about it. Well, you keep talking about Avengers. What? 41 million people agree.
2: Uh, hello. This I'm talking about Greek yeah. tradition. Italians maybe. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know which one, but
4: well, – yeah, but I mean, it's just more important. You know, I, I bet you if you take another DNA test, that number comes back different. How dare you? <laughs> That's how it works. How dare you? Every DNA question test question my heritage. at the moment is a little bit different when it comes down to these smaller portions. What are you going to now throw out a name that disparages my people? Uh, what do you mean a name, Pocahontas? No, I'm not mm. going to toss out some. Are you being like that slur of some kind? Saca No, the, none of those are related to me. By the way, oh. Apollo. Now, I did see a story, right? So when President Trump said Pocahontas, he was standing there with the uh, Navajo code talkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. They by have, the way,
2: he then touched. Yeah. He touched the code talker while he's saying the word Pocahontas, yes. kind of like a che- tongue in to, cheek, wink, wink.
4: Yeah. It was a weird moment. Kind of a weird moment. They, uh, A couple of those gentlemen, one of them was asked afterwards by a reporter, what did you feel? How did you feel as he said that? And he goes, well... When I was in the Marines, they'd make us yell, Geronimo, as we jumped out of airplanes. So I'm okay with it, I guess. <laughs>
5: hmm.
4: <laughs> We've been so insensitive. We really are. We don't even know when we're insensitive. Right. We're so insensitive. And so his point was, uh, I, it felt like you guys have been doing this for a long time. So why shouldn't it be any different now? Why change now?
2: Yeah. Well, maybe because we're it's getting wrong, better. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we're um. learning. Maybe we're improving.
4: Huh. Wrong, but that's what that's what you'd see. Them like in the old movies, they jump out of the airplane. Yeah, it's Geronimo. like Geronimo.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: maybe they spotted Geronimo as they were jumping. No, no, no.
3: no. Okay,
2: just a phrase, just a saying. <laughs> Holy cow! Interesting. Um, we got some empty news. Okay. The MT News Team first on the scene, fifth on facts. Not empty, like not. Without any substance. High, high, high substance. Uh, High news. um, High information.
0: Alternative facts.
4: Yeah. I, I try to find stories that have interesting twists. High twist factor. Which would be substance. Ish. Yes. There you go. Let's get to our Empty
2: News anchor, Jeffrey Liam Simpson. We just talked about animals, right? Yes. Glitter
3: and fish.
2: Uh, So ruining a good fish.
3: We've got a camel story and a pig story. We'll do the camel story first. Of course you would. So uh, this camel's name is Scooby the Camel. (laughs) Ruby the Ramble. Ruby? (laughs) (laughs) So a young camel named Scooby, back at home after going on a 90-minute jaunt that blocked traffic and provided an uncommon photo opportunity oh, for motorists in Ohio.
2: That little camel.
3: So Scooby's one-year-old, yep. a one-year-old camel, escaped from his fenced-in home in Springville or Springfield Township on Friday afternoon and began walking along township streets, prompting wide-eyed reaction. A neighbor of the owner, who was on her way home from work, alerted the Lucas County Sheriff's Office. Owner Nabil Shaheen was then contacted and, then, and uh, led Scooby safely home. Wow. Uh, Shaheen said that he bought Scooby as a baby and is glad no one was hurt. Can yeah. a
2: one-year-old camel hurt? Oh, yeah. Really? It's hard In its heart, yeah. Okay. Well, have you ever been around a camel? I, I No. Well, I
3: mean,
2: it, no. And I don't want to be rude, but their teeth are horrible. They've got a real spitting problem, too. And um, But they look at you with those deep, dark eyes— And those really long eyelashes. And at first you're like, you're just drawn into the face of like cute little Scooby. But then once it opens its mouth, you're like, you're wondering, I mean, one year old, anybody that's staring at you while they're chewing, you
3: gotta, you gotta be wary of them.
2: No, totally. Yeah.
3: So, okay, here's another animal story. If you needed to have a comfort
2: animal to help you get through a flight, what, animal would that be i think we've already talked about this obviously um, a mule of some sort a mule i want a comfort mule really mm-hmm. okay um and i'm gonna call him log and he's gonna be my mule log i would probably take a turtle because they move very slow yeah but what's the comfort there just it cal. it's a very calming so when you're nervous about the takeoff you're going to grab the hard-shelled turtle and just try to cuddle up with it sure that little snapping turtle yeah that comforts you? Mm-hmm. They're cold. Whatever. Shell.
3: Anything that moves slow and really takes its time, that that helps you to just slow down and take a take a breather, in my opinion. Hmm. Anyway, there's a woman who has a comfort pig. Yeah. And uh she was she was eventually kicked off a flight because the pig was becoming unruly. They tried to tether the pig to an armrest. That didn't work, and it was running up and down the aisles. So there's this guy that was terrified because, I think I was, I'm going to be on the plane with the pig. (laughs) Staff were eventually forced to order the pig off the flight. When it became too disruptive, American Airlines, the parent company of U.S. Airways, confirmed it was taken on board as an emotional support
2: animal well you yeah and those are very common now you need some people need that emotional support to stay calm to get rid of their anxiety but what happens when your emotional support animal starts freaking out yeah it's a big deal so this apparently
3: is kind of a big problem so much so that there's they're starting up a new film franchise oh really uh this one is the pigs on a or in a Franchise. Oh, cool! Instead of snakes, it's pigs. Right. Um, so it's these are all Mexican films, but uh, they have a returning cast member from oh. the snakes franchise that uh, makes an appearance. No way, Samuel L. Jackson. Próximamente en cine cerca de ti. Algo apesta a 20,000 mil pies. Capitán. Tenemos un problema. Y solo un hombre puede aclararlo. ¿Qué pasa? Señor, son cerdos. Lo he tenido con estos cerdos apestosos en este vuelo económico. Samuel L. Jackson en cerdos en un avión cerdos realmente pueden volar
2: Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, and uh, today we're talking high blood pressure with some new uh, guidelines coming out for us. You know, poor diets and not enough exercise cause a majority of our high blood pressure Uh, issues. And now that guidelines for high blood pressure have recently changed, almost half of U.S. adults are dealing with realities of high blood pressure. Why are these guidelines changing and what does it mean for you? Joining us to talk about it is Dr. Paul Welton, a Tulane University physician that led the panel that changed the guidelines. He's here today to hopefully help us understand why the guidelines are changing and what it really means for the rest of us here. Dr. Welton, thank you so much for being with us today.
7: Good morning, Matt, and thank you for having me. A pleasure to
2: be with you and your listeners. Thank you, and I mean, I personally, I have high blood pressure, and but it's interesting. I, I, um, I probably. I guess it's changed my life, knowing it and knowing it early enough. My family's had it. It's in our family history. So for me, this this is a really important topic. Um, but what's interesting is with these new guidelines, I guess I would have been diagnosed with high blood pressure even earlier in my life. Talk about how the guidelines have changed. What did they used to be? What are they today?
7: Right. So we've done... We've done an extensive uh, sort of deep dive. This is a panel of 21 members, including, I might add, uh, two lay members who were very, very active. Mm. No one on the panel had any relationship with, you know, commercial interests, pharmaceutical industry and so on. So it's a a rather long document, deals with every aspect of blood pressure from classification through diagnosis, evaluation, uh, various treatments and so on. Uh, we changed the classification system. It's been close to 30 years since we've mm. had a change. And uh, what was always normal is still normal according to our guideline. That is less than 120 for the top number, the systolic, and less than 80 for the bottom one, the diastolic. But there was a uh, something called prehypertension before. At an earlier time, it was called high normal. We didn't like those terms. We took the upper end of that. That's uh, an average systolic between 130, 139, or diastolic between 80 and
8: 89.
7: <clears throat> and we have now called that stage 1 hypertension. And the reason we did that was because <clears throat> for U.S. adults who are already in that blood pressure range, they're they're double the risk for a heart attack or a stroke. And we know that uh, treatments are effective in that range.
2: <laughs> so that's that's one. So, so if you have a, a blood pressure uh, uh, of one thirty 130 to one thirty nine over eighty to eighty nine, you're no longer pre hypertensive. You are stage one hypertension.
7: Correct. And and the you know the notion here, of course, is to empower adults in the community to know what they have. Yeah. Not not everyone in that category will require uh, a medication. In fact. Only about 30% in that category require medication. So we recommend if uh, someone in that category has a high underlying risk for cardiovascular disease, if they've had, uh, already had a, uh, a heart attack or a stroke, they're obviously at, at high risk. If not, um, we recommend using a calculator that would put in standard risk factors, you know, age and gender and race and blood pressure and so on. To estimate cardiovascular risk, and if it's more than ten percent likely that someone will have an event in the next ten year, we would call that person high risk, and that's the sort of person who would not only benefit from lifestyle change but also from medication.
2: Hmm. And so, really, I guess you went from three categories—prehypertensive uh, to hypertension one, hypertension two—now you just have two categories.
7: We have the normal.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, normal. Yeah. Uh,
7: we, we have a category we call elevated. That's the 120, 129, okay. uh, 180. And then we have hypertension. And okay. the, first, uh, the first one is stage one. That's the 130, 139. And then everything above that, 140 and above, or 90 and above for diastolic, that's stage two. Interesting. So that's a big change. That adds a lot of people, uh, about 14 percent more, about 30 million adults in the U.S. uh, would be labeled as having hypertension. Not all of them, as I mentioned, would require drug therapy. In fact, because we're much more careful, if you will, about who might benefit from a medication, that percentage would go up quite uh, less than 2%. Okay. So a, a rather small change there. So we're a little more uh, focused, if you will, or targeted on who might benefit from a drug. But just like you said, well, all of us uh, are at risk. Uh, I have high blood pressure. You have it. It's very common. Yeah, And the underlying problem for almost all of us uh, is diet isn't uh, what it should be and physical activity isn't what it should be. Yeah. Is it, it's a cultural issue
2: is that why you jumped on it um, because is the idea that if we if we diagnose it earlier uh, maybe even removing a stage or um, you know getting people into the categorization earlier they'll they'll catch it earlier and and maybe change it earlier
7: yes it's it's really to empower clinicians and uh, adults in the community and And just the information is better now. So it's been 13 years since we had a comprehensive guideline around blood pressure. So we know a lot more in terms of risk prediction, and we know a lot more in terms of therapy. So it it makes sense not to frighten anyone, Mm -hmm. but to make them aware. You're already at high risk, and there are things you can do. And the most important thing would be, Knowing what goes into your gas tank. We're careful about what we put on our cars. Yeah. We need to be equally careful uh, ourselves, you know, with with the um, non-farm approaches uh, to lifestyle.
2: What causes high blood pressure? Try to, I guess, I mean, it's complicated, but explain... In, I guess, in lay terms to us what, yes. what's I guess because a lot of this is if it's because of our diet, then it's our weight, our lack of exercise, we're probably not circulating well, so our heart has to work bet harder
7: yeah, exactly, so <clears throat> the underlying problem, as you mentioned is is really diet and physical activity for about ninety percent of people, uh, and that will manifest in different ways. it'll manifest as high blood pressure, it'll some people it'll manifest as lipid abnormalities. Many people will be overweight, a common problem. Some of them will go on to get diabetes. So the, the underlying problem will manifest in different ways, and all of those will lead to atherosclerosis, a, a damaging of the internal part of the vessel wall. Cigarette smoking, which really isn't going to cause high blood pressure, will also damage that uh, vessel wall. So all of these things lead to the common underlying Pathological problem in this country, which is atherosclerosis. There you go, and that can lead to heart attacks, strokes, kidney failure. It, it, it's the most common thing all of us face.
2: So, if we jump on it early with these new guidelines, and we jump on it fast enough, can we? Can you actually reverse it? I mean, can you get it back to normal? Is it that? I guess, or it, does it depend on what's causing the high right. blood pressure?
7: Always better to prevent. Uh, yeah, there's no question. Once, once the horses are out of the barn, they're hard to get back in again. So, yes, we can treat it and we can reduce risk. And we have lots of information that both non drug approaches and they're typically lifestyle change and drug approaches are effective in lowering blood pressure and effective in lowering risk. But it's always better to prevent it. So, you know, for our children. They're not looking at a heart attack or a stroke in the next 10 years. That's unlikely in a young person, but they're looking at a lifetime risk. And it certainly is a chronic disease that starts early in life and progresses and usually manifests as a complication much later in life, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s.
2: And I guess as you're getting older, 50, 60, 70, with hypertension, um, I, I assume if you're not going to get in better shape and uh, exercise and manage your diet better, then you will just continue to need more and more drugs? Yes. Yes,
7: that's true. So, of course, the first thing for all of us is to know our numbers, uh, whether it's blood pressure or it's cholesterol. Uh, And to know that we've gotten an accurate measurement of blood pressure. Because blood pressure, anyone who's ever measured it knows it bounces around quite a bit. And there are some things that we can predict will elevate your blood pressure, uh, but not really be true hypertension. So we, we go to some length in advising those who are going to take their pressures at home, as well as clinicians on getting accurate pressures and getting average of pressure. So we want to know not just what's happening in an instant, but what's happening over time. And we put a lot of emphasis on out-of-office blood pressure measurements hmm. uh, because what happens in the office gives us a very small window on what's happening throughout the day. So we want to confirm office hypertension to make sure that it's really true or to catch what we call white coat hypertension uh quite a high percentage of people 10 to 25 it depends you know in age and race and so on but quite a high percentage will have high pressures in the office normal pressures outside mm. and their pattern of risk is more like a true normotensive. and then on the flip side there's a group of people who seem to have normal pressures in the office their pressures are high outside we call them mass hypertension and their risk pattern is very like true sustained hypertension so we want to catch all of those things and that's where um, an adult or if you want to call them a patient they're really important because they're likely to be the ones who are getting the out-of-office blood pressures they have the time they should have the interest to do that accurately and to really Confirm the diagnosis before making any decisions about treatment.
2: This might be a great time to be talking about it because uh, so for about forty bucks, they can get um, uh, what's it called, a mammometer, What's it called? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and yeah. and basically go take their own blood pressure. We could get that for them for Christmas, and they could be taking right. it at work. They could be taking their blood pressure at home, and just start making an effort of focusing on the numbers. Right.
7: And we used to do this by listening with the stethoscope, what we called a sculptatory. We listened for the, for the uh, blood pressure sounds. That's pretty much disappearing. Slowly. Is it? Yeah. I, I'm an old timer. I still do it. Yeah. But, but more and more and more, because of convenience largely, we're moving to... Um, uh, autom- semi or, or true automatic uh, devices. And these are called oscillometric devices and you can buy them in the drugstore. We provide guidance on selecting one that is uh, valid. So that's obviously important. And then we provide guidance on how to take an accurate blood pressure. Yeah. So, you know, you start by really knowing what's going on and making sure that you've confirmed any suggestion of high pressure in the office and then um, working with a clinician to understand what's the underlying risk. Uh, do you, you do need lifestyle interventions. They're not easy. Any of us who try to lose weight, right. or reduce our sodium or for a better diet or more physical activity and, and be careful about alcohol, we know those are difficult things to do, but they can be done. They will, if done, lower blood pressure. We know that much. And then uh, with the clinician, uh, somebody can decide do they need drugs as well? What type of drugs? Do they need more than one drug? Because they commonly, that's commonly the case. And do they have some other condition where a particular drug is necessary that will concurrently lower blood pressure? We call it a compelling indication. So those are the kinds of things that a clinician, whether it's a physician or a nurse or a pharmacist uh, will be very, very helpful with.
2: Yeah. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Paul Welton, a Tulane University physician that led the panel that changed the guidelines uh, for um, what is hypertension and high blood pressure for adults around the country. Again, it's now 120 over 80 is normal, as always. But if you reach 130 to 139 or 80 to 89, um, uh, those ranges are now hypertensive.
7: Right. And another thing we've done here, based on a lot of information and and new information, is we recommend during treatment going to a lower pressure. So we used to say, you know, start at 140 over 90 and go to less than 140 over 90. Of course, that's still important. If if that's where you are, it's important to get lower. But we're saying uh, start at a a lower blood pressure, the 130-80, and uh, during treatment, go, go to a lower pressure. Hmm. Now, when you get to be my age, and I'm probably older than you, uh, those over the age of 65, we purely focus on the top number, the systolic. Because what happens as you get older is your top number tends to go up and your bottom number tends to initially sort of stabilize and then it goes down. The problem in older adults is mostly systolic. <clears throat> that's where the risk is and that's where the treatment trials have been focused.
2: And the outcome really would be uh, a stroke, heart attack, uh, yeah. a- atherosclerosis um, and other heart diseases.
7: Yeah, it'll manifest in many different ways. Uh, A common way would be kidney disease as well. Um, It's not the only thing that causes kidney disease. Diabetes is a very common cause. And of course, these uh, bad boys tend to go together. It's Mm. very common to find if you have high blood pressure, you may be overweight, maybe you have a lipid abnormality, maybe you have uh, diabetes or or the early indicators of pre-diabetes. So, They'll often go together. In fact, we use a term called metabolic syndrome when they go together, and that just increases the risk for a a complication. So it's important to treat all these things, and the treatments are effective. The treatment for high blood pressure is very effective. We know that for reducing risk. The treatment for lipid abnormality is very effective. It's important to prevent diabetes, but if you have it, to treat it, Uh, and obviously, getting to a better weight, being more careful about the type of diet you have, being physically active, moderation in sodium, careful with your alcohol. Those are the kinds of things that are really central to the cause and the
2: fundamental treatment. And smoking, I, smoking as well, right?
7: Smoking is uh, clearly very important for cardiovascular disease. It's, it's, not a, it's not a big issue for blood pressure per se, but you've got three legs of the stool that drive cardiovascular disease: diet, physical activity, cigarette smoking. they're oh, no. the ones that, wow. that drive it. Yeah, yeah.
2: And we, yeah. I guess, too, we also would want to maybe watch out because there's a lot of um, I don't know if it's folklore. I don't know what it is about other solutions that might lower. Uh, uh high blood pressure eating garlic, dark chocolate, drinking tea or coffee yoga meditation what's what's the verdict on those um those solutions
7: Well there are many things that are associated with with uh, blood pressure, and what we 've uh, done in the guidelines is we 've gone through them in detail and we've gone for recommending the ones that are best proven to be effective, and the ones I mentioned are the big ones. Weight loss, yeah. uh, a, a healthy diet, a physical activity, moderation in sodium, getting potassium in your diet, and uh, being careful with alcohol. Those are the big ones. It's not to say there aren't other things that can be helpful. There are a lot of things out there that are not either don't work or are not well proven. And we actually, in this guideline, we have 448 detailed evidence tables that go through all the evidence for these sorts of issues.
2: It's a, well, you've, you've really you've gone through it all. I mean, it's, it's funny, when it was released, my immediate thought is, ah, oh, Big Pharma's just trying to sell more drugs. But, but really, yeah. help us understand, you had a a, a large committee, uh, I'm assuming Big Pharma wasn't a big part of it, and um, uh, you thought it through and, and you feel this is important. Right.
7: So it was a reasonably large committee um you know you, you're not you don't have everyone who's expert in the field on there but we we had good representation of all the different disciplines nurses uh pharmacists endocrinologists uh, geriatricians um, cardiologists uh, nephrologists etc and as i say two lay people and no member of the panel has uh had uh, nor has a commercial relationship that was uh Important, not that yeah. not the people who do studies with uh, pharma are bad people; they're good people. But we just want to make sure we firewall,
2: yeah, and, keep it uh, clean.
7: The committee, exact. That's good. So, and we did do a deep dive. We took about three years to to do this. We have 106 recommendations. Uh, it is a very long document. So, if you looked at it first, you would probably fall over in shock.
5: But,
7: <laughs> What we've done for clinicians is we've divided it into many different sections, each of which are self-contained. So for a busy clinician, if they want to know a particular issue, how do I manage high blood pressure in pregnancy? How, What do I do with a hypertensive urgency? They can go directly to the section in question, and the recommendations are up front, key information for each re- recommendation, how important we think it is, what's the level of evidence behind it, text, the references, are all in that section. So that, it's relatively easy to navigate.
2: And uh, really quickly, where where can we get that document? So where can doctors, physicians get it, but where can just the lay member go see all those recommendations? Right.
7: So you can get it many places. Uh, two places that are easy to go. Go to the website for the American Heart Association or the website... For the American College of Cardiology, there were 11 professional societies involved, but those two were the two key sort of sponsors of this guideline. Okay. Of course, we have published it in um, in peer-reviewed journals as well, so it's available in the journal Hypertension or, or in the journal uh, of the. Um, American College of Cardiology
2: beautiful and you're getting it out there and we appreciate it Dr. Paul Welton thank you so much for your time and your great work on uh, on our health really trying to keep us all healthier and to everybody else out there maybe as we are trying to get healthier let's make sure we teach our kids as well bring your kids along for that run or that uh, that healthier diet if we can make it so that they don't even have to experience uh, the hypertension or or these other problems boy what a blessing that would be We'll continue the journey up next. More empty news right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Hey, let's uh, hit a little bit more of our empty news segment with the empty news host, Jeff Simpson. You know you can't take it with you, right? That's what they say, yeah.
3: Uh, But if you had to choose what item you could be buried
2: with, what would it be? Pop-Tarts. Really? Really? Yeah. Just so the worms could... uh... What what do worms have to do with it? Well... No, I'm going to be sealed in a nice box. Okay. And I would like at my feet a bunch of boxes of strawberry Pop-Tarts.
3: I didn't even know you liked strawberry Pop-Tarts, or any Pop-Tart, for that matter. Well, if you're going to (laughs) die.
2: Don't you want a Pop-Tart?
3: So, uh, listen to this guy's dying wish. So, uh, this is a man who always joked that he didn't want to venture into the afterlife hungry. So, kind of along the same uh, wavelength as you here. He got his wish when he was buried with two cheesesteaks from his favorite sandwich shop. Oh, wow. Cheesesteaks. Now, this will make more sense here in a second. Pat's King of Steaks in philadelphia mm. according to his grandson dominic lessee when asked uh, what he wanted to take with him when he died richard lessee replied what do you think pat's cheesecake <laughs> no onions his grandson said he would say uh because they'll come back to haunt me so ah, true
2: so so true but if
3: you put some garlic on there that could protect him from vampires and maybe. heart disease apparently well he'd be dead at that point already oh, so you're going there The 76-year-old father of four died of heart complications on October 10th. Uh, Richard Lessie from Plains Township was a rabid fan of Philadelphia sports teams. And that loyalty spread to the famed cheesesteak shop after a pregame meal decades ago, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, See, now that
2: that warms the heart, doesn't it? Yeah. And apparently his legs where they put the Philly (laughs) cheesesteak. warms the heart and it raises the blood pressure. Mm, It does make you wonder what you want to be buried with. Now I feel, certainly like a, I feel like a Pop-Tart is so insignificant. I thought it was a sure. great idea because it would last forever.
3: I, I, You know, I don't think I need to take anything with me. Really? And I'm an organ donor too, so they can even have that.
2: Yeah, I don't know that they're going to want your organs. What are you talking about? Well, all the nachos?
3: Yeah, but I've never smoked. I've never had
2: alcohol.
3: No, you've had nachos. So that's just as bad as those other things. Yeah.
2: Your Essence organs are nachified.
3: Between the nachos and the theater popcorn? Yeah. You're dead. And your organs are dead, too. No. Wouldn't this be hilarious if I died between now and tomorrow's show? No, it wouldn't be hilarious. <laughs> you just got a very serious look on your face when I said You're that. You're not
2: going to die, are you? I was being sarcastic. Okay. It's hard to tell. Uh, up next, Leanna Tan's going to be enlightening with us with a little tangent about hidden fees. Don't you hate all those hidden fees that come up? The bank and everywhere else. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend show. Well, you still might be on a high from last week's Black Friday shopping, but did you find any catches in those flashy deals? While uh, you know we're all in the spirit of consumerism, one of our producers, Leanna Tan, is going to warn us about five hidden fees we should all be aware of.
9: You're probably still bustling around trying to get all your holiday shopping done early, right? And if you're like me, you're pulled in by the bright red sales tags and the buy one, get one free deals. What can I say? I'm a bargain shopper. Or am I? Sometimes you think you're getting a great deal only to get to the cash register and find out that you have to sign up for a credit card to get the deal. Or maybe that you have to spend another $90 before the store-wide sale takes place. I hate them too, but they're everywhere. Lurking in all the nooks and crannies of our lives? Hidden fees. Did you know, according to a Ponemon Institute study in 2006, the average U.S. adult pays at least $942 each year in hidden fees. That's like a trip to Hawaii. So, to vent it all out, here's a list of five of life's most annoying hidden fees. Number one. School fees. If you've graduated college, congratulations on making it out alive. My friends are always venting about the latest hidden fee that cropped up on their student account. From activity fees to printing fees to late test fees, it's ridiculous. I tried to dodge the bullet as much as possible, but they made sure to catch me right before I slipped out the door and topped it off with a nice $15 application fee to apply for graduation. Seriously? Number two, processing fees. How much money does it cost a computer to read my credit card number? I'm pretty sure it's like $0. Yet every time I get excited that my roommate's performance tickets are only $5, I'm always appalled at how it charges me another few dollars for the seat I want. I don't even know what the original $5 was paying for. And tax on another couple dollars to process my request. And then, of course, I don't want to sit alone, so I have to buy two tickets. And what was advertised as a $5 outing has now turned into a $16 purchase. Ugh. Number 3. Foreign Transactions. I think this is the worst part of travel. I might consider taking a tapeworm or a sketchy cab driver over having to deal with a foreign transaction. It's like you save up a few hundred or thousand dollars to have a nice international trip, but once you actually get to the country, it's like they send your money through a shutter and you're left with only a fraction of what you thought you'd have. And then you come home with a bunch of useless multicolored coins and paper that just didn't sum up enough to make another transaction back to US dollars. Number four, airport fees. This is another place you gotta watch your back. You're a little hungry and want some extra peanuts? Fee. You got stuck in Detroit and just need to adjust your flight to get home? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Fee. You think that nice gentleman is helping you carry your bags for free? Think again. One time, I thought I was getting a great deal on a flight to New York. It was pretty decently priced, even for a college budget. But oh, was I wrong. I got there with my normal-sized luggage and my carry-on, and the next thing I knew, they charged me over $100 because they don't accept carry-ons and it was charged as a normal bag. And my other bags were charged because they were apparently overweight. And they made me pay to print out my itinerary. Yeesh. Talk about kicking a woman while she's down. And number five. Groceries. Yep. You heard it. The supermarket. The supermarket. Maybe this is a fee that's still hidden to most people. They call it the shrink ray effect. It's where corporations make their portions smaller but still charge consumers the same amount for less product. According to a watchdog blog published by Consumer Reports, in 2011, companies reduced package sizes by as much as 20 percent, like ivory dish detergent, which used to come in a 30-ounce bottle, now comes in a 24-ounce size. And haagen ice cream containers used to hold 16 ounces, but now only hold 14. They're pulling the wool over our eyes. We cannot be victims of this madness any longer. I'm going to march down that aisle, take my diploma, and demand justice. And more Haagen-Dazs. Hmm. <sighs> well, good luck shopping, everyone. Keep up the good fight. I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
2: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
3: BYU
6: Radio.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Doctor Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Jeff and Terry. Yo, be swell. You just you got into Ethel Merman again. It's not Ethel.
3: Who is it? It's me. Really? It's me in the third hour. So you've... I get a vibrato every time we get to the third hour. The oh, show. I thought you were having some neck problems. there. Yes,
2: I've got turkey neck. <laughs> <laughs> I got turkey neck. Man, I've been having a lot of um, neck problems because of my cell phone use. Not to – I don't want to start on an empty negative Are you you're negative trying to note. hold it against
4: your shoulder so you can listen in your ear? Is that <laughs> no, what you're doing? that's the or? old days. Oh, okay. Do you
2: remember the old days when they used to have that little foam? inflatable foam yeah. thing? To we keep. had those on my yeah. phone
4: at home, yeah. I even remember seeing one for a cell phone. But I've seen a couple TV shows that that's how they show the time – of, without actually like saying this is 1980, whatever. Yeah. They have those phones. They have the huge long a cord off the phone so you wander around the entire house and then have the big foam shoulder pad so you can hold it up to your what, ear.
2: What would they be thinking if they could look forward and see that you can just put like an earbud in and talk to people and not have to torque your neck? Mm-hmm. But now I have neck pain because I'm always looking down at my phone. I need to... Now oh, I need well, one of those foam things under my arm to hold right. it upright so I don't... so I. My phone's always in front of my face. Mm. Just get it inserted
3: into your ear canal.
4: Really?
5: Yeah.
3: Ouch. You know, people have done it.
4: Well, that's why some people think the next step with phones is a uh, glasses type thing. Don't they already have that? Yeah. We they don't tried it that. with Google Glass. It looked weird. There's it's, other. There's I, other uh, like uh, prototypes out there that actually look like a set of sunglasses. Well, I wear but glasses. But they, they give you sort of a heads-up display. Google has been playing with contacts for years to have some sort of an electronic display so you can see what's going on. Really? Yeah. I mean – Maybe. I get it. But just the idea, like you walk up into a... You, like you, you walk into oh, public gatherings a lot, yeah. and it'll search your contacts. Oh, hey, this is like, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. And it'll give you a rundown of the last time you saw them, maybe what you talked about, because you keep <gasps> notes. Yes. And you, oh, you you have all these references, so you know who this oh, person that, is. No,
2: see, that'll mess us up. Because we're already wired to be good at this, at interacting, and remembering. This will just handicap us. Right. Why don't we just...
3: Leave our phones behind. <laughs> no. Did you hear that wheeze? That's my wheezy laugh. So you've got a wheeze problem and a neck problem. Yeah. You know what we call you, it? You may need an actual doctor. <laughs> it was... Uh, Can you self-diagnose? I said actual. That's...
2: Yeah.
9: <clears throat> <sighs> You're a monster! We
2: are announcing uh, new positions on the Matt Townsend <laughs> Show. We need two new... We need a producer and co-host, board op, voiceover person. Wow. wow. Hmm. With less attitude. Sorry, Matt. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not going to work. Um, speaking of attitude, a news alert on CNN says White House considers replacing Secretary of State Rex Tillerson.
4: Mm-hmm. They
2: – how?
4: You say you're fired and you hire the CIA guy. The, and then you move maybe but, the senator from Arkansas into the CIA. You're done. But didn't they say the senator from Arkansas? Yeah. Sessions? No, that's Pom, Pompeo,
2: Pompeo. The
4: guy from Arkansas is named Tom, Tom Cotton. He oh, would no. take over for Pompeo who would move from CIA to state. But didn't wasn't there this pact they were talking about that if
2: Tillerson goes, or they the suicide yeah, they Madison another one guy goes. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. 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 That'll fall apart. I mean one guy's called him a moron, the other guy called him uh what, the intellect of a kindergartner? So yeah, Well, that's um, insulting to kindergartners. Not sure where all this goes. <laughs> it's getting crazy. Yeah, all kindergartners across the nation went, Wait a second. <laughs> what? That is so rude. Um lots of uh
2: lots of stories about sexual assault, sexual harassment, more I was, names.
4: I was watching uh the news last night and the first four stories. Yeah. They went from uh, Matt Lauer. Yeah. Then they went to, uh, it's interesting that President Trump decided to criticize them because, and then there's, you back know, that. President Trump, yeah. And then they did some Roy Moore. hmm And then they went to uh, Conyers. Yeah. His, his, he, he actually left, the White House, left uh, Washington, D.C. yesterday, went back to Detroit, and he's now in the hospital with some health issues. Russell Simmons now steps down. Stover's? Simmons. Oh, sorry. Then they rolled to the uh, Prairie Home Companion guy. Yeah. And then they rolled to Al Franken. Man. And I'm sitting here like, can we, like, did something else happen in this world or are we just going to talk about this all day? Yeah. It was almost the first 10 minutes of the show. They just went through one allegation after another. So, so the, now you're saying Russell Simmons. Now, Russell Simmons yeah.
2: has uh, left his company. Russell Simmons steps down from his companies after a sexual assault allegations.
4: Yeah, I've heard it. Well, yeah. A-
2: Ann Curry is, is
4: calling it karma. Mm-hmm. because of how she was fired. There's, and, there's petitions to get her back on the Today Show. I mean, that's a bad fired. idea. A lot of people don't like curry,
3: though. No, we're talking about Anne Curry.
2: People yeah. loved her. Not the spice. No,
3: this was just an aside. Oh, yeah. It's true. My wife is one of them. She it's does true. not like curry. I will bet you
2: more people like curry than don't like curry.
3: Are you serious? Yeah.
2: Have you been to India? Have you been to curry guess, in a hurry? I guess that's
3: a good point <laughs> yeah. on both accounts.
2: Yeah. So, um...
3: And no, I have not been to India.
2: No, either have I. Hmm. But I love curry. I I love some types of curry. I think it can cover up pretty much anything. And curry? And I even love and curry. Okay. Never met it. Full circle. One way or another, we're going to get there. Um, So all of that craziness is going on. Apparently, uh, you know, we should also still be worried about North Korea. Yep.
4: They now have the ability to... Well, or nearing
2: they, the ability to – They have
4: a missile that could – if all the fuel is expended and if they launch it in the trajectory necessary, they could hit anywhere in the United States except we don't believe they can actually guide something to a specific and a target. Warhead,
2: they don't necessarily have the warhead
4: that could be
2: nuclearized to then be carried on said
4: right. – they could, they could have the, uh, if you remember back in the first Gulf War, the Scud missile. I love me a Scud. Where they just strapped some cement to the top of the rocket and launched it into neighboring countries. Oh, yeah. That was some of the, how they did it, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was just sort of a bottle rocket sort of approach to warfare.
2: Yeah, kind of yeah. like the, the bully down the street. Yeah. Just start shooting bottle rockets. Ah, oh, those were the days. Do you remember when life was just easy and all you had to worry about was that bully?
4: Just the bully. I, I was listening to an interview this week, and it was talking about how we kind of take these other countries that we're concerned about, and we inflate them into these super mega, just huge, evil doer type things. And it's like, this is North Korea. They can barely feed their people. Yeah. They have a few missiles. But see, that, that's expertise. the problem, right? and then, you, And same thing like with Russia. Their economy- is struggling. You can compare it to Italy. D- do right? not <laughs> disrespect- my people. And so we, we keep inflating the and iran and, and yeah. they're they're just a, a huge source of evil and it's like they there are limits to what these countries can do. I well, mean they're yeah. concerns, but that's it.
2: But the problem is that they're crazy they they're like the they're just the crazy uncle that spins off once in a while. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes spinning you can do, do some little damage. damage. Right. So you just gotta make sure he's not holding anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they're all doing. They're just making sure crazy uncle's not holding anything. That's the the metaphor. Right. I'm not saying they're all crazy uncles. Could be. They just act like it. Um, So just rest assured, though, our government is on it. Our government leaders are tweeting all about it. Well, eventually, yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, Also today, we're going to be speaking with Heather Johnson, hajj we call her, Heather Ann Johnson. She's going to be talking about how to bring the holiday spirit into your life which, by the way, again, we I'm still on protest. We will not be playing any holiday music mm. on this show until December. So Star Wars comes out. We already have. Yeah, when I
4: wasn't here, right? No. I'm pretty sure we've done it while you've been here. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we waiting until Star Wars, then Christmas starts? No, 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 no. Star oh.
2: Wars is like, what, the 13th or something? The 15th. 15th. Yeah. yeah. No, as far as December, once December's here, we can play Christmas music. That's—I'm mm. pretty sure that I'm, I think that's in the Bible. Mm. We can wait. You don't have to. Yeah, but mm-hmm. we're just going to unleash the Christmas Kraken.
3: I'm pretty sure the Bible would say that you should have the Christmas spirit year round. No, oh, sure, but not the songs. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> I think maybe in the in the uh, appendix somewhere it says that. Yeah.
2: Look it back in the Bible Index. Um, let's get to our headlines with Terry South. Terry, what should we be paying attention to?
4: As we mentioned, the long-anticipated resignation of Secretary of State Rex Tillerson could come as soon as January. State Department diplomats tell Vanity Fair the working knowledge here is that Tillerson will be leaving in late January, and CIA Director Mike Pompeo will be coming in as quickly as he can following that. Says one current staffer. And Matt's having was a, that a sheep that was fled loose of some in- kind. <laughs> He's trying yeah. to say A.O. or something. like, there is, there is reportedly a replacement already lined up for Pompeo's allegedly soon-to-be-vacated spot. Vanity Fair reports that it is a retired military officer who fits with a broader pattern of President Trump tapping battle-tested officers to serve as his top advisors. Although separate administration officials tell the New York Times that Pompeo's likely successor is Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican mm. from Arkansas who has been key... In the president uh, for the president on national security matters, maybe they ought to wait to see how this vote goes
2: in Alabama first. Maybe to see if they're going to like unseat a current
4: senator. Yeah, a senator that, from Arkansas will be re- Republican. There's no concern there, unless all of a sudden there's more allegations. Right. or Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. Come on. Uh, president Trump announced additional major sanctions against North Korea on Wednesday, a day after they tested an intercontinental ballistic missile that analysts believe could strike anywhere in the U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson specified that additional sanctions include some of the against financial institutions will be rolled out by the Treasury Department. Uh, former now former NBC host Matt Lauer apologized for his behavior, saying that some of the stories that have been mischaracterized, but there's enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and shamed. Multiple women now have come forward alleging sexual misconduct on the part of Lauer. The uh, Today Show host fired by NBC on Wednesday. Variety reported on multiple incidents of alleged sexual harassment. An NBC employee employee came forward to management earlier this week alleging sexual misconduct, which preceded Lauer's firing. Um, Later Wednesday, Page Six reported that he sent uh, lewd messages and photos to multiple women, including an intern one of which was during the network's coverage of the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi huh. the New York Times reported that NBC received at least two new complaints against Lauer on Wednesday alone oh boy see this is what happens then more and more and i mean let's get the full story right yeah but
2: oh well, you can go read it yeah but that's i guess the thing is <laughs> we nobody should be taking pleasure in the fall of these people no. we should be taking pleasure in the fact that we're discussing stuff that was never discussed and maybe freeing people from prison,
4: emotional prison that they've been in for years. Absolutely. Boy. And this article caught my attention. Finally, it says, why you shouldn't give gifts to adults. Oh, good. Now, hold it. Yeah. But you're, we're, you're all giving me gifts. Like, not just
2: me, but we're kind of giving gifts to each other, right? I mean. Yeah. In that way? We'll, well see. Well, like, I just thought, I mean, I, I got you guys something. Oh, cool. I mean, like, so I thought you'd probably get me something. Oh, i just, hmm. I mean, wrong. Okay,
4: so, so I'll take them back. Americans will spend about $967 on average this holiday season, putting the country on track to spend more than uh, $678 billion in total, according to an annual survey conducted by the National Retail Federation. That's holiday spending. Wow. About $678 billion says it can start to feel like an arms race, says this writer. And she's not alone. A 2016 study found that 70% of Americans feel that Christmas is too focused on spending, yet we're expected to spend even more this year. It just keeps going and going. So everyone's frustrated by it, but we're all expected to do more of it. University Minnesota economist here says we're making guesses about what other people need, want, or like. If I go out and spend $50 on you, I may buy you something that's worth nothing to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it says in fact Americans waste 9.5 billion or $71 per person on un- unwanted gifts each year according to a study from finder.com. Yeah, there's so we're a lot. So wasting of... 70 bucks a person per year. It says. I
2: still have a shirt hanging in my closet that didn't fit me then doesn't fit
4: me now. Right. But I I, I have a drawer of things that my family has given me. I just put it in the drawer every year it's like drawer oh, great. It. Yeah. And they know. I've told them about the drawer. The drawer. The drawer. Like, unopened. They're great white elephant gifts. Maybe maybe you could bring me one of those. You don't want any of this stuff. Okay. In fact, I think some of it we've been given from here that I'm going to use this year. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. No offense to anybody that gave gifts last year. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, During this holiday season, Americans produce 25% more household waste, or about 1 million extra tons, according to the EPA. This includes not only unwanted gifts, but also packing material bubble wrap, wrapping paper, much of which can't be recycled. So keep that in mind. Yeah. What what can you give if you don't want to give a gift? A gift card. It says the most wanted is a gift card. It's on everyone's list for 11 years in a row. The number one thing, gift cards. So I can go buy what I want. Yeah, but it's so impersonal. Give someone a hug when you hand them the gift, if they're that type of person. Nope. Don't give any more hugs. Not at work. If no. it's a family member, you can hug them. Hug all you want. You.
2: Hug them if you got them.
4: <laughs> it says use personal and professional skills to volunteer as a family or do a favor for your loved ones like oh. knitting or building furniture.
5: That's a Those great Those are kind idea. of
4: specific examples. Yeah. But if you got a skill, maybe you can build something that means something to My somebody. son went door to door with their school
2: doing service. Really? And, because they're trying to raise money for a charity and they made three hundred and seventy-five dollars for the charity yesterday by volunteering to rake leaves or do whatever.
3: That's a third of the amount of money that a family will spend on Christmas this year. Except as that we just—they're
2: not. They're going for a charity to make seventy-five thousand dollars from their school in a month. So they've got to get to work. Yeah. Did you want to donate? I'm wondering. To my son's school charity. You're talking to the listeners, right? I'm talking. I'm actually talking to you. Uh, me yeah well, I'm sorry what was, what was the question? Did you want to donate to my son's school charity? Uh, the name of your son's school is charity We'll work on this off air but uh, I know you will. you're a giver 20 30 40 dollars 50-ish dollars be very grateful <sighs> By the way, did you hear about uh, Prince Harry?
3: Uh, that is, he's going to be a stormtrooper in the new Star Wars film. No. Yes, is I he really? heard
2: that. Yeah, he and his brother. No, he's going to. He's marrying Meghan Markle. <laughs> We've actually, yeah, talked about that.
3: Yeah, while you were gone, we.
2: I didn't talk about it. Mm. She was an actress on the the show Suits. Really?
5: Yeah.
3: There. I've never seen
2: Suits. I own a, I own a few, but. It's a great show, but we're not talking swimsuits, which I know you own own because you wear them. I have a couple of those, too. You wear them every day. Um, They're getting married. Does the Speedo make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Talk about harassment. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding is – it's a big deal and – they. Uh, she's charming. She's wonderful. But can you imagine? She's going to now become a citizen of the U- of uh, the UK, and so all of a sudden she's going to have this weird. Wow. What are you? What are you? An American? Are you Brit? And she'll get baptized Ooh. in the Church of England. So she'll have dual
3: citizenship, or does she have to renounce her country? I don't know.
2: It's unclear what she'll be doing. Wow. It's a big deal. She has to renounce her country. But has- now, now we have an in. We have an in. <laughs> America has an end now to the British monarchy. Well,
3: didn't we already have that through The Crown on Netflix? Yeah, I guess. John Lithgow is not British, and he played Winston Churchill yeah, on did. that show. Oh, he did a great job.
2: Great job on that. Um, so there's just good news. I mean, if you ever wanted the fairy tale where you're now a princess, Meghan Markle is living it. I mean, I know you've have we talked about that a lot. You've dreamt about that. About being a princess? Oh, just, yeah. Marrying royalty and Hmm. living happily ever after. Uh, Up next, Heather Johnson will be joining us. We're going to be basically launching Holiday Spirit and uh, show you how to bring it into your lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. He's playing Christmas music. We agreed we wouldn't play Christmas music. Well, I thought you
3: told me to play Christmas music all the way up leading to Christmas.
2: Yeah, that hearing problem is really (laughs) affecting you now. Hey, uh, welcome back, folks. It's it's nearing the time we should be playing Christmas music. But uh, on the show, we kind of agreed we wouldn't do that until December. Apparently, Jeff hasn't received that memo yet. I'll have Terry resend it again. Uh, But today, um, we've got a great pleasure of having Heather Johnson with us here. Hatch, we call her. And uh, Heather is uh, one of our contributors, likes to come on the show and talk to us about how to raise a healthy family. If you go to her website, familyvolley.com, you can get all of her great ideas about keeping the family active. And in all of the active fun and uh, time together, you can also strengthen them in so many ways. Today, she's here to talk to us about uh, bringing the holiday spirit into life. You're soaking in it, Hodge. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm good. Thanks.
2: It's good to have you.
0: Thanks. It's been a bit.
2: It's been a long bit.
0: November. Where where I don't we even in? know where it went. We're
2: almost. Yeah, we're in. We're almost to December.
0: I know. I think Jeff was playing Christmas music because of our topic. We should yeah. give him a break.
2: That's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> so because it, it's a weird thing we it, like you were saying when you came in we just barely got over Halloween
0: yeah I still in fact just this week I woke up I think it was Monday morning and I was going about regular household whatever in the morning feeding kids and getting them to school and realized I still found two Halloween decorations that I hadn't put away they were still on a shelf
2: and you didn't even notice I them. didn't
0: even notice them like I, in my brain we're not even at this place yet Yeah, I don't why? not how we yeah. got here
2: well that's we haven't put our tree up yeah and I keep Thinking, ah, oh, uh, do you want to? No,
0: I, I know, I know. I don't feel like we got to experience any of the other experiences. Well, so. and is
2: is it is it bad that I don't want to put it up yet?
0: Uh no, it's probably not bad. It probably depends on who you have at home that my is kids, hoping for a my season. My kids are
2: starting to wonder.
0: <laughs> it's not December yet.
2: No, that's right? what I tell them. It's like it's not even that time. We're still. Let's still like, let let the turkey digest. Yeah,
0: you have what? Let's see. Today's the last day of November. Yeah. is that right? Is so, it?
2: We have or we have one more.
0: What are I don't even know what today is. I don't know, let's see. But we have hours. You still have hours. We have hours. Yeah. Not till tomorrow, right? Just oh, let your wife – ask your wife if she'll take care of it because you're not yeah. feeling Tomorrow, very spirited. Tomorrow you
2: can start to worry about your Christmas tree.
0: It's true. There you go. We just gave permission, right? <sighs> and so even with permission, this is kind of a fun topic because one of the questions I get most is how do I have a holiday season but still make memories yeah. peaceful, meaning not stressful memories with my family? Right. Because that's half the reason I think we all don't want to get into the season sometimes. It's because it's like, okay, here we go. Just buckle down. Put your seatbelts for crazy town. Oh, yeah. For 30 days. And And a
2: lot of it's out of your control in a way because it's you got to go to the company party. You got to go to your spouse's company thing. You got to buy the gifts. I mean, it's all this. But now, uh, interestingly, the online is becoming more fun for me. It
0: is. Well, because you don't have to go to a store and deal with human beings. I know. You
2: just sit there and you get to watch your favorite shows while you're doing
0: it. Even split screen.
2: Oh, I love it.
0: So really, even from students who are, you know, 20 to 25, 28 years old generally, all the time, even in class, it's, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to go home, but it's so crazy. How do we find those moments where we can bring in this holiday spirit, but we have time together and it's much more joyous, it's more relaxed. And so first suggestion right off the bat is that we take a really hard, fast look at the fact that we're still waiting for permission to do this
2: interesting yeah
0: we are existing in this society where the busier we are and the more things on our calendar the better we are, right? right. I, I know even as a woman, the praise comes when my when my plate is full and when I'm juggling and racing and it's like, oh, that's amazing. How do you do that? When really in the back of my mind, I'm like, are you not yeah, this is crazy. This is stupid. This is killing right? me. And so we kind of sit around waiting for society to give us permission that slowing down is cool. Society will never give us that. It yeah. won't. It, no yeah. one is going to say, "Hey, the emptier your calendar is, the cooler you are." And so, the longer we wait for permission to actually have the family experiences we want, the longer we're going to be miserable. Did
2: you know that Jeff and his wife they they've already they're already done with their Christmas shopping. They're really? they're locked and loaded.
0: That's awesome.
2: That's how that's how ready and laid back they are. They have already bought themselves peace.
0: Right. <laughs> it's exactly right. By thinking ahead, doing yeah. those things and probably weeding out some things too. Yeah,
2: saying no to some things. But
0: we can give ourselves permission because society won't, our neighbors won't, the people we surround ourselves won't unless their family and want the same thing. Right. So it's time to just say I give myself permission to create more peaceful memories with the holiday spirit however I want. And if I don't want to race around, I'm not going to race around.
2: So
5: good. So
0: we're going to take that back.
2: You don't have to wait. You don't have to receive some edict from somebody. You can just take it back now.
0: Yeah, do it how you want. Now, the other problem here is that if we want to have the, the spirit, kind of this holiday feeling in our home where it's more peaceful and more relaxed, we have to come home
2: you got to be home once we in a while. we got to
0: be home. Yeah. And this is a really big problem. And what's really interesting about this is when we look at research that supports – Interaction scores is what we call them. Interaction scores are are when we look at the times that family members and an entire family spend together or mothers and kids, fathers and kids, yeah. that type of thing. And we find that families with the highest interaction scores are the families that are at home. That's where we have to find the time together. Really, And the reason why is because when we leave the house, we don't often leave the house as a full family. Right. We leave the house where I go with our girls to dance or I take someone to the grocery store while my husband takes somebody else here and somebody else there. Yeah. And so we find that when we do leave the house, even though there's. We're not saying don't go do fun things with your family outside your house. It's not what we're saying. But if you do want more interaction together, we have to come home.
2: But that's, the, I guess, part of the problem, too, is we've so overscheduled ourselves. And the scheduling is we don't actually schedule ourselves home.
0: Never. Right? Maybe it's
2: a good idea. Right.
0: On your calendar, really, on home your time. daily. Right. To be there. And we all have that feeling where we all roll in at 6, 630 and everybody's hungry and homework still needs done and life is still. And you're just like, I haven't been here all day. Yeah. Well, it's impossible possible to have time together as a family to fill your home this, you know, next month and a half with this kind of that holiday spirit we're looking for if you don't ever come home mm, that's if a we're great not there. Idea. Now, on top of that, the last thing that we find with this same research is that when we are home, it's time to tame technology when we're there. Yeah. Because there is still this misconception. Well, we're home all the time. Well, that's great. But she's in her room on an iPod and he's downstairs playing video games and you're on your computer and your husband's got music going. And that's fantastic that you're under the same roof. But really, we've, we've yeah. got to tame that no too. No one's connected. Right. So again, we're back to this place where it's time to give ourselves permission to be intentional about what we want our family to look like. If we want it to be full of more time together – We have to make that. You got to
2: make that that the priority. Is it I mean, and part of it is you just you can't really afford to be on autopilot anymore.
0: No, you can't. And that's, I think, a a beautiful thing about even the word intentional, which we hear a lot now. We're hearing it more and more. Intentionality means you've actually created a working plan to be the type of family or couple or friends that you want when we put intentionality into it it means that we've been thoughtful it means we've been action driven and we're actually creating what it is we hope for now that's also not saying that things don't change of course they do that we have to modify and adapt key characteristics to successful humans yeah but but let's have that be the exception hmm. because we're being very intentional about what we want our time and our lives to look like well and
2: i mean <clears throat> what really are we intentional about
0: well very few things when we think about it yeah.
2: <laughs> i mean then, then you almost have to like we had earlier we talked about people with high blood pressure you'd have to be intentional about eating healthy being healthy right and you know some of us are, we're not are, we'll even let our health suffer simply because we're not intentional
0: right and and that word really like you're saying applies to every single facet of our lives yeah and then when we don't like how something's gone it's very easy to justify or blame the existence around us instead of saying, you know, we're so busy, we never have time as a family. Nope, you actually chose to fill your life with all those things. And as a result, you don't have time as a family. Right, exactly. And and it's real straightforward and, and sometimes it's hard to hear. But there's really great research that supports it too, which is kind of awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. Research that shows that kids only need to be engaged in one, possibly two extracurricular activities. That's it. It's a little number, right? Yeah. That is not the 12 that everyone is telling me our yeah. kids should be engaged in.
2: Or the the highest level of competition at right. that. Right,
0: right. And so this is too where whether it's the holiday season or just your family in the middle of July, yeah. we have to find our focus for this time of year and always. We've got to decide, is my focus for our family to have time together over the next 30 years or is my focus for our children to be in a million things away from our – I, i got to decide. Yeah, got to decide yeah. what that focus looks like.
2: Uh, we're speaking again with Heather Johnson. She's a professor here at BYU and um, is one of our contributors. Uh, if you go to her website, familyvolley.com, great, uh, great resources there. Heather has, also has a book she's published, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be publishing Family Fun Saturdays through Thursdays.
0: So behind. Uh, so behind.
2: You've got to start <laughs> writing.
0: I've got to start writing.
2: But Heather, this uh, – so part of what you're saying is the sp- spirit – creating holiday spirit but then really a healthy, happy spirit in the family is – it's an intentional – Act. It's an intentional process.
0: Right. And, you know, that's what we're looking for right now, right? We say, here we go into December. The tree's got to go up in the next 12 hours at your house. Yeah. We, you know, we've got all these things to do. And really, we then complain, well, all I want is just to relax with my family. Mm. So what are we going to do? We're going to give ourselves permission to do it. We're going to come back home so we're in the space where it actually happens. And we're going to find the focus that we want for the next month and a half. We're going to decide that. So, for example, in our home, we're Christian. And so So naturally, this time of year has a Christ-centered focus for us. That's personally where we we put our energy and effort. Now, the beautiful thing about this is if I keep that as my focus and as our family's focus, then regardless of what other opportunities are – are given to us, it makes it very easy for our family to decide if that fits our focus or doesn't, hmm. which makes it really easy to say yes or no to what we do, right? Right. Now, for us this year, inspired by, and I don't know, have you seen the new uh, Coco movie? That no, just came out? but I'm
2: taking my mom to it Today, on Saturday. right? So
0: yeah. uh, we watched this movie over Thanksgiving break with extended family, and there is this underlying theme of honoring ancestors, oh, cool. which is a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. Something that we also believe in as far as family. History and genealogy goes in our family. And so we've decided that our focus this Christmas is going to be Christ-centered by helping our children kind of make those generational connections and our oh, ancestors. Yeah. And so it's made it really clear in our head what we're going to cook and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. For example, my great-grandmother has passed on a tradition of making divinity, oh, which probably dates I me love because- I so you know what divinity oh, totally. is, which is awesome. Because some, sometimes you say it and people are like, what the divinity, heck? Divinity, what are you talking is, about? 20 and under probably doesn't yeah. get that oh, reference. Yeah. But for example, that is something that our children are going to learn to make this year. That's an activity. We're not going to do gingerbread houses, yeah. which we've done. We're going to do this and tie it into Grandma. her. And to that that's experience, great. and so that. When are focus, you doing that? Just when, so I know, <laughs> I'll bring you some. Yeah,
2: I'll just, I'll just come over. Just come on we'll over, come caroling. There you go.
0: Come sing. We'll have a play for you. <laughs> that focus makes it really easy for me to say no to gingerbread houses, no to yeah. this, no to that, but yes to this thing that is going to support what it is we feel is important.
2: And that's just a little change. You might always or think of a gingerbread house, but. Why not turn it a few degrees, and now it's divinity school? (laughs) Sure,
0: well, exactly. And the thing about this, the other
2: divinity school,
0: our divinity, great great grandma's divinity school. The beautiful thing about this too is it leads us to another point: is that we don't have to do it all. Yeah, and that's the thing. We're very easy to think. Okay, well, I want to teach our kids great great grandmother's divinity, and I still have to do gingerbread houses. No, right. I, I don't have to. I don't have to do anything if it doesn't fit the focus of the family that I'm trying to be intentional with. Right. Uh, this one for me was tricky when we started having kids. It was just at the same time that that calendar came out that had 25 things in the 25 days of December. I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Every day has something you do with your family or with kids, that type of thing. And I remember I got it, I printed it out, and I thought, oh, 25 days, we're going to do this it. This is going
2: to be great. Oh,
0: my gosh. You
2: were a stress case was by a, day six. I
0: was a nut case. Yeah. I was so concerned about the supplies and moving on to the next thing and when were we going to do it. And in all honesty, I actually fought against that stupid calendar for five or six years. I'd get it out with this new, you know, I get vigor this year. <laughs> And I finally went, what? How? Yeah. Ah.
2: See, that's why it's better to undercommit.
0: There, always.
2: Right? I like the calendar <laughs> where I just say, okay, there's 25 things. Let's just choose one.
0: It, and see, that's the thing. Let's nail it. We don't have to do it all. Yeah. I don't have to make Grandmother's Divinity and gingerbread houses. No, you don't have to We do don't both. have to be somewhere every day. There isn't a checklist. And that's, again, in July and August too. So if we want that time together as families – we don't have to do it all. That's and not I
2: guess the point. That's part of the thing too is um, – I mean it's good to have all the ideas, but then it creates this expectation. Mm-hmm. So keep the expectation. You don't have to do it all. and But you, you'll probably want to do something or you'll kind of just slide back to the old unintentional life. It's exactly right. Life.
0: Right, with no plan yeah. and no process of where you're headed. Now, to make it really clear too – I know plenty of friends who 25 things in 25 days is their focus and it's awesome. And they
2: can do it. They rock it. Oh, yeah. No, that's my my whole – all my in-laws. They rock did 25 that. things in one day yes. on our vacation.
0: <laughs> See? And you're like, wait, vacation? And yeah. that's where, again, those expectations come in. The focus comes in. If I'm really going to sit around and, for lack of a better word, whine about how December's crazy and I don't have time with my family. Right. But I'm still so focused on the calendar of 25 things instead of these sweet little kids and my husband. It really is no one's fault but my it's own. Yeah. And again, I know sometimes we hear those things and it's like, oh, but that's not true, Heather. There's this and there's that. There isn't. Right. There's just us. You, we get to decide.
2: You could even say no to fam- or to certain family parties and, and certain meetings. And Absolutely. Certain, I mean, you can say no to, to things you didn't think you could say no to. You
0: can. And especially when – it, the reason you're saying no is because you need time with your family yeah i know that personally you know if someone came to me in different situations and said i'm not going to be able to make it i've got to be able to spend some time with my family that is really hard for me again to look at and say oh no no
2: oh, come on right and family. and if they're
0: lying so right yeah. <laughs> if, if, if
2: they're going to use that if lie. you want to go
0: that way by all means go right. that way no, right. but there's so many things that you know like you said we think we have to do no no, no, we don't. It's we,
2: all in our hands. We head. get to
0: choose. We get to choose. So we don't have to do it all. Yeah. The next thing is it's really great at this time of year if you want to introduce this holiday spirit to play to all the senses. Mm. Now, this has, found you know, research foundations as well as everything else. But we know already from research that anytime we're dealing with someone else, as parents, when we're teaching, talking to, even disciplining our children, yeah. if we can use more than one sense when we're dealing with them, there's a greater impact. Yeah. So if I'm talking to, you know, our nine-year-old and I'm, I'm talking to her, I've got one thing going and I've got ears and I've got mouth. But if I can get on her level and we have eye-to-eye contact, we're playing to a new sense. Yeah. And if I have my hand on her shoulder at the same time, even if I'm having to you know, discipline in a, right. in a way, I've played to a third, fourth sense. Ooh,
2: so it actually <clears throat> takes it deeper. It's
0: exactly right. And each time that you can incorporate more than one sense, you have then created a situation where the impact is greater.
2: That's great. So
0: at a time of year when we want rituals and traditions to impact us for generations, when we want that feeling to be something that our children and our spouses wait and long for – if we can play to more than one sense, it just mm. solidifies what's going on. Which
2: is why back to divinity. Right. That's why divinity. It's exactly right. It's, uh, it ought to be incorporated into everything, into everything you do. <laughs>
0: right. So now we've got taste. Yeah. Now, the crazy thing is I bet even with divinity memories that you have. Yeah. I bet you can smell mm-hmm. whatever either the divinity tasted like or I can smell my great, great grandma. OK. I yeah. actually know what she I, – I can smell it yeah. when I make it. I smell that. I Isn't know what her home smelled yeah. like. Uh, I can see it in my brain. You know, even our memories. Cool. It's why Christmas matters so much because there is so much of that tradition yeah. that plays to the music, right? Mannheim Steamroller. Oh, my dad yeah. played it my whole life. Yeah. I can hear it. I know tomorrow that's what's going on the radio, right? right? So so we play to those senses. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> so we want to do it at home.
2: Give us one more. One more quick one. Uh, one other way to, last to bring one, the spirit into the holidays. That season.
0: holiday spirit. Be generous. There you go. And what's so amazing about this is there is a direct correlation that's been found between being generous and being less stressed. Yeah. Directly. And so the more generous we are, are, the less stressed we feel. So at a time when the complaint is, I'm always so stressed out these next five weeks, what can I do to be less stressed and more relaxed with my family with this holiday spirit? Be generous. That's a great, be generous.
2: great advice. <clears throat> Heather Johnson's her name. Go to the website, familyvolley.com, where you can uh, pick up more of uh, her information, including her book, Family Fun Fridays. She's a staple and you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, familyvolley.com. We'll continue the journey up next. Uh, two guys that do bring the spirit every time they, well, not the holiday spirit, but the BYU spirit. <laughs> every time they're on the show uh, from BYU Sports Nation, we'll be talking with them. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Yes, it's been 35 years since Thriller was released by Miguel Jackson or Michael Jackson. Uh, one of the great, 35 years ago, by the way. I was 12 years old. Jeffrey was in utero. And uh, I don't remember where Terry was. I don't know his age. But we're going to shoot it down to two of our good buddies, find out where they were when Thriller was released 35 years ago Spencer and Jerem from BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen.
6: Hi, Matt. 35 hi, hi. years ago. Yeah, where were you? I was living in the great Cache Valley.
2: Yeah, just just you and your girlfriend?
6: Well, no. Just recently born to my wonderful parents, oh. Kent and Christine Linton. Oh, cute. In River Heights. Mm. River Heights. you know Logan well. Not at all. Yeah.
2: But Cache Valley area. Yes. Uh, and um, how about for Jerome?
6: Jerome was not with was, us on this yet. I was not with us.
2: Oh wow. How how many years away were you from being with us?
6: Not what, that long, right? What year are we talking about? Eighty three?
8: No, eighty two. Eighty two. 35 years ago? Yeah. In eighty two? Yeah. I was born eleven months from
6: now. Ah, see.
2: You know, maybe maybe the song had something to do with your birth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you are a thriller. <laughs> thriller. And you do have those claw hand moves when you dance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know what I mean? hmm Here's a question for you, gentlemen. Please. Um, wh- when is the proper time and date to start playing Christmas music?
8: Oh, boy. We're going here again. I'm
2: saying tomorrow.
8: If you love Jesus, whenever. Like,
2: oh, wow. You're pulling that one. Yeah. You went straight to that if one.
8: If it's a Santa song, that's different.
2: That's totally different.
8: You can always listen to songs about Jesus.
2: Yeah. But, like...
8: It's hard like, to argue
2: against that. Yeah. No, no. It, you pretty much just trumped it.
8: Argue, please, argue against that.
2: I mean, once you go to deity, I mean, you've you've yeah. pretty much trumped it. It's like Especially saying in infinity parts. when you're fighting with your friend. Yeah,
8: infinity and beyond. Yeah. My dad's the strongest infinity. <laughs>
2: you're
8: like, infinity? Strongness. Can't compete with that.
2: So, because uh, I'm saying, I keep telling Jeff we shouldn't be playing Christmas songs until tomorrow.
8: Oh, December. December 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. But... He 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 doesn't listen to me.
8: I'm I think I'm in the post Thanksgiving really crowd. I An, think so. any, t- I, I'm not like passionate about it.
2: You don't care, do you, Spencer? Yeah, I, care. I just
6: don't mine, care enough to sit. I love mine is kind of dependent on the weather. Oh wow! Ah. Oh, and you so
2: just went to Hawaii. In
8: Utah is the key? Yeah, yeah like you it was when I Norway. when
6: I was living in Palm Springs, it was really hard for me to get into that that Christmas spirit. Right. In December, when it's 78 degrees outside. Yeah, you're still wearing, you
8: know. Because you grew up in Utah. Because Shorts. I
6: grew up in Utah,
8: mm-hmm. you're yes. used to the
6: snow. Whereas my wife grew up in Las Vegas, so she was used to that. And so she wants to play Christmas music once, you know, essentially November, early November hits. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's just crazy.
6: Uh, but for me now, like, if, if I had to, like, pick a specific date, it would probably be right around Thanksgiving. Oh,
2: wow, yeah. You're both, you're both kind of post-Thanksgiving, yeah, just right, right around, around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. But
6: if it snows, like if there is early snow and yeah. it's like a winter wonderland outside Get it on. early November, it then like I would Christmas. feel like listening to Christmas music.
2: Yeah, you're a situationalist. Yeah,
6: situational you. Christmas mm-hmm. music listener.
2: That's, you know, somebody's got to do it. It's a big I'm, disorder. I just go, I'm a more of a chronological listener. It's a date. There's a time and a date. December 1st.
6: You just got to go, go with when it when it feels yeah. like the right time. That's right.
2: And Terry likes to only do it on Christmas Eve. We also call only him... Only Christmas Eve. Only Christmas Eve. We call him Scrooge.
6: Well, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, his heart needs to grow three sizes.
2: Hey, <laughs> speaking of uh, Scrooge... Um, no, it's not Scrooge. What... What... <laughs>
6: The Grinch. What,
2: what are we going to do with an offensive coordinator? There's been some news about a bunch of names being thrown out there. Yeah, yeah.
6: Sourcy sauce. Sourcy sauce.
8: Yes, from Arby's.
6: <laughs> Everyone's got a source, right? Yeah, every- I like them um, uh, sourcy <laughs> sauce. But
2: see, but it, it's got to be scary to be an offensive coordinator coming to BYU with our history, and then last year, and I don't know what our talent pool looks like next year. But it seems like a convergence. So any names coming up for you guys?
6: Uh, Any gut feel? In fact, Matthew, we put together a list of 14 names yesterday. You did? Yeah. How'd it go? The world. Well, I'd like to tell you about it, but we're going to talk about it on the show in the very near future. Yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
6: Uh, I keep hearing Andy.
2: Andy Reid. Okay, Uh, get out of here. Okay, so here's the thing about that. (laughs) Leave now. Andy
6: Reid is on our list, but you should see our reaction to that.
2: (laughs) Really? Yeah. There's no way. (laughs) Andy (laughs) Reid. But maybe what it is is Andy wants to leave a really killer job and come back to Utah to coach.
6: And he's so an fed assistant. up with this quarterback, Alex Smith, who hails from the University of Utah yeah. that he wants to go back to yeah. BYU. That's it. He's had it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem Jeez. like that's going to work. Okay, so you're, you're, you oh, will be addressing geez. it on your show. Yeah. What else will you be talking about today on the show?
6: Well, today on the show, it's got to be about what BYU basketball did yeah, last night. Yeah, they did it. The Vengeance Tour paid off in a major way. <laughs> in a world
2: of vengeance, is that what they're calling it? The Vengeance Tour. Well, that's what I'm calling it. Uvu. They beat Uvu.
6: Twenty-seven point Uvoo. win at the UCCU Center, the Uvoo home of the Wolverines. Uku. Yeah. It's good. And uh, look, BYU. Best kid they played all year. They, they were backed into a corner, and you better believe the coaches all off-season long were like. They beat you. You need to pay them back. Ooh. Gilly
8: Childs told me after the game, I've been asked about that game more than any other game. Yes. Good. And yeah, they what, brought what in, happened. Uh, there, there was a player for BYU, Weber State transfer, named McKay Cannon, who became eligible to play at 320 yesterday. Yeah. Traditionally, a D1 to D1 transfer has to sit out. The NCAA allowed him to play starting yesterday. Cool. So at 320, he finds out he can play. He comes into the game. He's the backup point guard for BYU. The first shot he takes is a made three at the shot clock buzzer. He has eight points, a team high six assists. He will join us Hmm. to tell us how the day went for McKay Cannon Blast Center,
6: the the pride of Shelley Idaho.
8: Yeah.
2: Oh
6: man, all time leading score in Idaho high school basketball history. And he just at least at at Shelley High School.
2: Oh my heavens! And he's already on BYU Sports Nation. What else does he want?
8: A look, probably the start, but we can't grant him that. Well, you'll get him there. You'll get him there. Okay,
2: I got to let you guys go. Go work out. Get ready. Pump up. Hey, folks, you're only four minutes away from uh, hanging out with the BYU Sports Nation brethren and being enlightened uh, about the Shelley uh, Idaho Player of the Year, player of probably of all time. Um, Interesting stuff. They did. They beat Utah Valley University, which is a big deal, just because it's local. You know, game play here. The problem is they're really in different leagues. And so BYU should be handling UVU very easily, which they did last night. So who knows what it means? I'm not, you know, I'm not the sports doctor. Anyway, in fact, on the show, they've questioned my doctor credentials altogether which I think is quite rude. Hey, our hero story of the day is an Australian truck driver. Um, He's been hailed a hero after he came to the rescue of an unconscious teenage boy who came off his bike on a busy Melbourne road. Callum Price was riding his bicycle along a busy road on Monday night when his tennis racket fell into the bike spokes, causing the bike to flip. A number of people saw the 14-year-old on the ground and did nothing except a hero truck driver. According to Callum's mom, Vanessa, the truck driver put Callum's bike in his truck and took the boy to the hospital. Hero truck driver Simon uh, says he stopped to help because what goes around comes around. Everyone should look after kids like they are their own. Great advice from our hero of the day. Uh, Truck driver Simon is what we're calling him. And that's the show, my friends. Remember, we can't do it without you, but you can go find us on BYU Radio. Go look us up on iTunes, on TuneIn. We'll be back again tomorrow for uh, three more hours of fun and interesting insights into life. Up next is BYU Sports Nation.